It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, July 1st, 2013. I put my hand in the air because it is Canada Day, my friends. A happy Canada Day to everyone watching in the Great White North. A happy Canada Day to my friends and family. A happy Canada Day to my fellow Canadians. A happy Canada Day to the world. Because when it's Canada Day, my friends, it is a international holiday. That's the way I look at it. I hope you do as well. It's so great to be back after a two-week hiatus. We are back in the house, and what a time to come back. Not only is it Canada Day, it's UFC 162 Fight Week. And this, in my opinion, is the most anticipated fight of the first half of 2013. It's Chris Weidman going up against Anderson Silva for the UFC middleweight title. We've been talking about this for, it seems like, a year. Ever since Chris Weidman knocked out Mark Munoz, we're finally getting it, at least we hope. Crazy things happen in this sport, but it's just, what, five days away. MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. We will be there. It's UFC 162, Chris Weidman versus Anderson Silva, and that is a major topic on this show today, of course. Actually, this show has a very much middleweight feel to it. You'll see what I'm saying in a second. We're back in the saddle, as I said. Thank you so much for sticking with us, not forgetting about us. Last week, we had a best-of show. Hope you enjoyed that. But it's live here today, and nothing's better than live in living color. Joined in the back, of course, as always, by Buzzkill Brendan. We got Mike in the house, Will. New York Rick looking svelter than ever. He's wasting away in front of us. I hope it's for good reasons. He's, uh, he's chugging along with the UFC, uh, UFC fit. I was going to call it Rick's fit. I was all confused. It's UFC fit, but it's really Rick's fit. Let's, let's be honest. After this thing is done, we'll rechristen it. And we'll talk to him about that experience uh, in the third hour. Also hear from him as we take your questions and comments. Uh, hit us up using the hashtag TheMMAHour or leave them in the post below if you're watching this live on MMAFunding.com. The best Twitter question of the day gets a free subscription to UFC Magazine. There it is. This is an old issue, but there you have it. UFC Magazine up for grabs. It's actually called UFC 360 these days. Now, who's joining us on the show today? At around 2.45, my friends, we will be hearing from a legend. We will be in the presence of greatness. We will be hearing from the honorable sensei, Steven Seagal, of course, working very hard to help Anderson Silva prepare for the challenges that lie ahead in the form of Chris Weidman. Sensei Seagal will be stopping by to talk to us about the game plan, what's at stake, and whether or not he thinks Chris Weidman is a real threat to Anderson Silva's throne. A man who knows a thing or two about Anderson Silva is Patrick Cote. He fought and unfortunately lost to Anderson Silva via a gruesome knee injury at UFC 90, and uh, he is now one of the coaches on Tough Nations. It's Canada versus Australia, Patrick Cote versus Kyle Noak. It goes down in 2014. Uh, that was announced a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations to Patrick. He'll be stopping by to talk about all that and Canada Day. See the flag? It's Canada Day. 205, Mark Munoz will be stopping by. You may have seen those amazing pictures of Mark. Lost a ton of weight, feeling good, uh, back from depression, has, has worked his way back from that loss to Chris Weidman. He is uh, back in action this weekend against Tim Boach on the main card of UFC 162. Got bumped up after Ricardo Lamas was taken off the card. 
And uh, he has had a very interesting story leading up to this fight. So we will talk to Mark Munoz about that. At 145, speaking of middleweights, Tim Kennedy will be stopping by. He makes his uh, UFC debut against Hajar Gracie in a very interesting fight on Saturday night. We'll be talking to him about that. And then Ray Longo, who is the longtime trainer for one Chris Weidman, he'll be stopping by to talk about the, the game plan and all that good stuff heading in to this weekend's massive fight in Las Vegas on Saturday night. Ray Longo stopping by at 125. But first, let us go to the phone lines and welcome in uh, one of the uh, longest-tenured UFC veterans right now, a veteran of uh, the Ultimate Fighter Season 1. He returns to action this Saturday against Andrew Craig in the uh, the main featured bout on FX in Las Vegas at UFC 162. He is, of course, Chris the Crippler Lieben. Chris, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much, Chris. So uh, a, a lot of talk going into this fight about you changing scenery, about you moving your family to San Diego after a pretty good run in Hawaii. And I know how much Hawaii meant to you, and it felt like you were in a very good place there. And after reading about this, it seemed like this was something your family had to do because your wife was looking for uh, you know, a, a spot to kind of put her roots down due to law school and whatnot. Uh, and I'm wondering, if that didn't come up, would you have ever left Hawaii? You know, uh, probably not. But but it's funny how things work out. Um, I, I'm here in San Diego now, tra- training at Alliance, and you know, I did not realize what I was missing. It had been so many years since I had been uh, part of a, of a of a hardcore training team like this, as as great and wonderful as, as Hawaii is. You know, I was kind of a little bit of the lone wolf out there. You know, I had some great trainers, some great guys to train with, but when it came camp time, it was really just me. And when I could get guys in, you know, to help me out, then I would get in and work out with them. Um, Did we lose Chris? Oh, I think Chris just hung up. All right, we'll get him back in a second. So Chris Liebman talking about leaving Hawaii and going to train with the uh, obviously very successful Alliance MMA team, home to the likes of Dominic Cruz, Phil Davis, Alexander Gustafson. They've got a great head coach over there and Eric Del Fiero. Um, definitely gaining a lot of steam and a lot more recognition. Brandon Vera, one of the, the pioneers over there from that era, uh, or that area, I should say. And uh, it, it's interesting when you see some of these guys go off and do their own thing. Chris Wyman even talked about it, how for this camp, it was a lot more structured, you know, having a coach, having someone to tell you where to be, what time to be at, who's going to be around you, and not having to go out and gather the team and wrangle everyone and ask them to come help you train. That's got to be a major load off your back. And with Chris Lieben going into this fight, losing his last two, three of his last four, had a very good run leading up to the Brian Stan fight, that's got to be very important. Chris, are you there? I'm here, yeah. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. No, no problem. It was probably on our end. So so you were saying, so now you're no longer the lone wolf. What's it like adapting to having a coach and having you know other great UFC stars around you where you're not the boss, so to speak, and you kind of have to go by um, what they say? It's phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's really, really, really great. Um, you know, I mean, uh, first I got here and, and when, when, when I was, you know, no yes men here, you know. Uh-huh. Um, Coach E, Coach Eric, you know, he, he he makes me do my stuff. You know, if I wasn't feeling that great or whatever, maybe I could whine a little bit and, you know, get get a little bit, you know, get a little bit of a break from my coaches. And that, that just doesn't happen here, you know. Um, at first, I was like, man, they're, you know, 
they're pushing me hard. All right, I get it. I'm new here. They're testing me, you know. But then, but then I realized that that I that never let up. They they started pushing me hard and continue to push me hard. And you know, um, I mean, I, it, it, in order for me to be able to to train with these guys and, and compete. I mean, I had to do everything perfect, you know, from from getting my rest to my to my diet. You know, every day you come in the gym, you know, you're facing hard, intense training against guys that that, that want to be the best. You know, when when I'm out there training with, you know, anyways. Um, so it, it really forced me to clean my act up even more. I mean, my my diet has been dialed, um, rest has been dialed. And then, obviously, in the gym, they've been pushing me harder than I've ever been pushed. Um, and I've, I've been able to uh, to kind of come into sync with the training, with the way they run things here. Um, and, and, and I feel phenomenal. I truly am in the best shape of my life. Um, and and I, I just can't wait to, to get out and, and showcase my skills. And really, for, for me personally, you know, see where I'm at. I mean, there's all, you know... I've I've had some success, you know. Obviously, I've also my my, my career's been somewhat like a roller coaster ride, right? Um, you know, ups and downs, highs and lows, you know. But finally, for once, I'm doing everything right, both in and out of the cage. Um, and I, and I've got a great support group. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how wonderful uh, you know the, the the team guys are and the coaches are here at Alliance as far as as far as supporting you and, and, and pushing you and being motivating. Um, it's it, it, it's it's wonderful. I mean, really, the move, truly a blessing in disguise. One of the most uh, memorable interviews on our show was when you came on last year and, and really opened your heart and told us your story about your your battle with addiction. How is that going these days? It's going really good, Re- really well. It's still, something that I deal with every day, you know, and and still, you know. Um, uh, but but it, I, I'm starting to get used to it. You know, my last fight was, you know, there was still a lot going on. I was doing, I was starting to do everything right. But as far as the stress and the anxiety goes and learning the, the proper ways to be able to deal with that, you know, um, I, I, I still had some holes in, in my game outside of the cage as far as that goes last year. This year, so much better, in particular with the move, having a new setting. And um, everybody here knows knows what my deal is, you know, knows, knows where I'm at. And everybody's been, been very extremely supportive. And I think it was just so good for me to, to, in that aspect, to get away from Hawaii as much as I love it. You know, everybody kind of still remembers the old Chris Levin in Hawaii, but, but now with, with this new Chris Levin, you know, I need to get around people that, 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 that know me for the new person that I am. Speaking of the old Chris Levin, did you feel at first like you had to prove to the guys at Alliance, guys with belts around their waist, guys who have done a lot in the UFC, that you are not that guy anymore? And did you feel like at first maybe they didn't really want to believe you? You had to have this sort of, you know, tryout process with them. Right. Absolutely. You know, when I, when I was talking to Coach, you know, um, I told him, I said, yeah, you know, I, I came out, I knew Brandon, so I came out, I trained one day, I really liked the gym, and I was going to check out some other gyms, but after the first day, I realized that Alliance is where I wanted to train at. Um, so, um, fast forward a little bit, I, 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 I called Coach e up, and I said, hey, I, I want to be the team, I want to come out, you know, and, and uh, he, he kind of told me, he said, all right, well, why don't you come out and train, and we'll see how it goes. 
Hmm. You know, and then that was it. It was a very short conversation. And, you know, it, it is a lot, you know, especially, you know, being a guy with, 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 uh, with my, my record and, you know, with as long as I've been in the sport, you know, switching gyms is, is kind of a big deal, you know. So um, I, I thought we were going to have a little bit longer conversation than that about, you know, but, but I realized now that, w- that what he was doing is he wanted to see where I was at. And so, you know, I, I came out, I came out early. I came out about 12 weeks before the fight. Um, I haven't missed a single practice since, since the day I showed up. I've been hitting daily doubles for the last 12 weeks. Uh, my body feels no matter what's going on. I've made sure, you know, that I'm committed. Uh, I've been very open with them about everything that's going on in my life. And, um, you know, just like anything, it, it took a little time, but, but, but realizing that I'm sincere, you know, um, everybody um, here at Alliance seems to be in my corner. You know, it's talked about a lot these days in the world of UFC, but um, it, it feels like it, it would apply to this situation, considering your record over your last uh, four fights, one and three in your last four, and how your last performance went. Do you feel like you need to win? Is this a do-or-die situation for you in the UFC on Saturday? Um, you know, I think every fight is that way. Um, absolutely. I, I think it is, you know, wh- whether or not they'll let me go, I don't win. I, I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I'm coming off, I'm coming off a, um, a lack, you know, a, a loss against Munoz and then a, uh, a lackluster fight. Um, you know, um, both fights I learned a lot from and, you know, the being, being a fighter, the only thing you can do is, is plan and prepare for Saturday night. You really can't look too far ahead. And, you know, the, the one thing I know is, is I feel mentally and physically better than I ever have. I'm performing better than I ever have in the gym. You know, hopefully all that goes well on Saturday night. And the bottom line is I accept whatever happens. Whatever, whatever happens, I accept it. And afterward, I'll kind of look at the situation and then carry on accordingly. And that truly is all you can do as a fighter. You just you accept it. You know, when you get in there, you're in a fight. What's going to happen is going to happen, and you need to, you're going to deal with the outcome. So you're trying not to put too much pressure on your shoulders here. You know, that, that's exactly it. I think I did that a little bit on my last fight. Mm. Um, and, and, and I, but, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We're 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 in a new slot now, and you know this fight is very extremely important to me. And and you know I'm a firm believer that every fight is is at least in my career every fight is won or lost before Saturday night. Hmm. And what goes on before Saturday night? And you know, having said that, I I mean the the fight should be in the bag already. I've already beat Andrew Craig as far as the work that I've done to prepare. So. All I'm doing is waiting for these days to tick by so I can get this this fight over with, get this money in my bank, and get back to training. Whatever you do, no gummy bears on Friday night, all right? No gummy bears. <laughs> no, sir. No, I I mean, I have learned so many lessons the hard way, you know, and, you know, hopefully some of these younger guys can just listen to me, take my word for it, and, and they won't have to go through it. Yeah, yeah, no, you know. Um, I don't know what it is about me and having to learn everything the hard way, but, you know, luckily now having the most fights in the middleweight division being around as long as I have, hopefully I've, I've worked all the kinks out. What do you think when you see guys like Kenny Florian and Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner retire, guys that were on the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 with you, and did you ever think that you would outlast those guys? You know, I never really put much thought into it. 
Um, it hasn't really been until the last few years in my life that I've really thought about the future at all. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, when, when I look at it, you know, I, I realize that everybody is in a different spot in their life, in their career, with what, with what they're doing, what they want to do. And uh, to some extent, I think, you know, it's great when a fighter does know his time and knows when to step away. Um, but then on the other hand, me personally, I feel I, I'm growing and I'm performing better every, you know, every fight, every camp. Um, and, and, and I want to continue on and see how far I can progress and take this. You mentioned your quote-unquote lackluster performance in your last fight in December. Who deserves more of the blame there, you or Derek Brunson? You know, I'd have to say Derek Brunson. I mean, it was, you know, it was a little bit of a, of a, I had an opponent switch. I was training for a left-handed brawler that comes at you, then or a right-handed brawler that comes at you. Then I got a left-handed wrestler that runs backwards. Um, you know, and I went back and watched the fight a few times. You know, I was active on the bottom looking for submissions. I had some close catches, you know, but you, you and I both know in the UFC, you know, if you're on top, you're winning the fight. Mm. Um, and as far as the stand-up goes, you know, he just really didn't want any, any, any part of that. And me, me having, you know, time off, um, I didn't push to the level I should have pushed. So, you know, both of us, you know, made some mistakes, but, but uh, I'd have to say him more than me. And, and what do you know about Andrew Craig? This is a guy who's obviously a very dynamic striker. I, I would imagine you like this matchup coming off a loss. What do you know about this guy? Andrew Craig's a tough kid. From the, from the fights I, I've seen him watch, you know, he's real scrappy, and you can never count him out. You know, he's one of those guys, he's kind of transferring over, crossing over into MMA, and he's one of those guys that's actually a natural athlete. So, you know, his natural, you know, his natural ability, his explosiveness, his athleticism, you know, um, those are the things that I need to watch out for. The other thing I need to do is, is make sure in particular that everything in my court is tight. My game is solid. Um, I, you know, some of the fights I watched um, looked like they were getting the better of Andrew Craig all the way up until the third round mm. when, when they started to relax a little bit um, and then got caught slipping. And I'm not going to get caught slipping. Does a name like Andrew Craig get you excited? Absolutely. I mean, right now, you know, um, Andrew Craig, to his credit, he comes out and fights. And, and, and I love that. You know, and he's, he's scrappy anywhere the fight goes. So right now, at this point in my career and, and the way my body's feeling, I'm just so excited to get back in there Saturday night, get back to work. You know, um, I'm just really glad to have somebody that's going to actually uh, come out and challenge me. So, you know, I, 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 can't, I couldn't be happier that they've got me, you know, because I'm on, I'm on Fox and I'm fighting on Saturday night. Before I let you go, Chris... Fourth of July card, you know, it's the biggest card of the year. Yeah, absolutely, and you've had some good memories on, on the Fourth of July card uh, as well yeah. back in the day. Um, absolutely. You know, in 2006, you fought Anderson Silva in his UFC debut, and now he's going to be fighting in the main event, of course, of this card. Did you have any idea going into that fight? Did you have any inkling? Did you believe that he could turn into the fighter that he has become? You know, that, I, get, I get asked that question quite a bit, believe it, oh, really? believe it or not. And, you know, obviously the, the answer there would be, no, not, not really. 
Um, you know, we knew, you know, my coach at the time being Matt Hume, who had seen at Ben Ringside for several of Anderson's fights, I knew he was a dynamic, explosive fighter. I knew that the losses that he had kind of made him underestimated. We knew it was going to be a tough fight going in, but I don't think anybody could have ever um, guessed that he was going to do the amazingness that he has done. If you could give Chris Weidman one piece of advice, what would it be? Don't play into Anderson's game. Fight your fight. He, Anderson Silva is mortal, and any mortal can be beaten. I think a lot of guys already have beaten themselves before they Did we lose him? Just at that moment when he was giving Chris the advice. Are you still there, Chris? Oh, there you go. I thought we lost you for a second. Nope, still here. You you said so. You were saying a lot of guys. So, go- I would say I was saying if I had to give Whiteman any advice, so it would be to to play your game, to go out and fight your fight. Anderson Silva is, is mortal. He's human. He can make mistakes. He can be knocked out. He can be submitted, just like anybody else. I think the biggest problem is a lot of guys have already beaten themselves when they step in the cage with them. Mm. Great advice. Hey, by the way, one last thing. Speaking of the Ultimate Fighter One, um, do you, you know what happened to Jason Thacker? It's Canada Day, so I thought about him. Uh, you know what, man? I don't. Um, maybe he's uh, doing uh, animation up there in uh, Canada or something. <laughs> I mean, originally he was in the drawing Pokemon comics and stuff. So, <laughs> you know, who, who knows? Who knows? Maybe I'll see him when they have the Comic Con down here in San Diego. Cool. That, uh, that, I, I've always wondered what happened to Strange Brew uh, Jason Thacker. What an interesting character he was. And since it's Canada yeah, Day, I thought of him. Absolutely. Of course, you absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Chris? I hope he's well. As I do hope I. He, whatever he's doing, he's happy. <laughs> Same here. Uh, Chris, always good to catch up with you. Good luck on Saturday. We're looking forward to it. And, and great to hear that you're, you're in a good place heading into this fight. Right on. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. There he is, Chris the Crippler Lieben, one of the uh, the true originals. Uh, he was on The Ultimate Fighter Season 1 back in the day. Uh, going into this fight, of course, in his last fight, a very uneventful affair against Derek Brunson at UFC 155. Lost that fight via unanimous decision. Prior to that, lost to uh, Mark Munoz, and that was the fight that kept him on the sidelines for uh, for a year. Comes back, loses to Brunson, and now here he is, fighting Andrew Craig in the featured bout at UFC 162. And and it is certainly interesting. I, I read there are only four guys left from that show that are still fighting. You've got Josh Koscheck, Chris Lieben, Mike Swick. Who's the fourth? From from the first season of The Ultimate Fighter that is still in the UFC. Josh Koscheck, Chris Lieben. Oh, wait. Is Chris Lieben the fourth? Mike Swick. Diego Sanchez. There you go. Those are the four. What is going on? Of all people. Did I give you the wrong number? Eric having a hard time reaching Ray Longo, who is our next guest. Ray Longo... What number did I give you? Can you type it? Don't be shy. While we're waiting for Ray, 
Yeah, that's it. Um, I want to play a clip from UFC 119. It's a video blog from UFC 119. Uh, Matt Serra was fighting Chris Lytle in Indianapolis. And there was a video blog. The Matt Serra video blogs were fantastic. We talked about them with him on this very show. And uh, they were following him. And there was a great scene that is very apropos heading into this weekend, very apropos this week, as we talk about Chris Weidman and his chances of pulling off the upset and dethroning Anderson Silva. Matt Serra is training with Longo and the team, and Weidman's there. We don't know who Chris Weidman is. This is back in what... I believe it's 2010, UFC 119, the build-up to UFC 119, and Matt Serra drops a pretty interesting nugget, a nugget that maybe a week from today we'll be saying Matt Serra's a genius. I believe we have that clip. Do we have it? Here it is. It's the future, right? That's a big difference right there, right? From the back. When I'm done, I'm passing the torch. Yeah. I'm passing the torch. Look, the future. People are going to go back when he's champ. I remember him from the video blog. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? People will go back. I remember him from the video blogs. Passing the torch, Matt Serra, who just retired, who pulled off the greatest upset of them all, still today the greatest upset in UFC history, UFC 69, George St. Pierre, Houston, Texas, knocked him out, beat him. That put Long Island MMA on the map. And then a month after Matt Serra retires, here's Chris Weidman, who was in that video blog, who Matt Serra proclaimed would be the future, would be a future champion, now fighting for the belt. It's a pretty amazing thing. I don't even think Matt Serra could have drawn it up like that. Fresh face, Chris Weidman looks pretty much the same, minus the, uh, the black eye. And here we are again. I was actually texting with Ray Longo, who we're still trying to get here, who is, I guess, fashionably late. You think the coaches are the ones who are on time. Uh, and I was texting with him over the weekend, and he said, another big one for Long Island. Massive one for Long Island. But the similarities are certainly there. They're going into this fight against the champ, trying to pull it off. It, it feels very much like UFC 69 all over again. Perhaps Weidman getting a little more respect heading into this one than Matt Serra did heading into that first GSP fight. And we do have Mr. Ray Longo on the phone right now. Ray, are, are, we, are, we, are we very busy over there? Are we fashionably late? What, what, trying to mess, what kind of message are you trying to send here? <laughs> fashionably late, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for, for stopping by. I, I was uh, recalling our text message conversation over the weekend where you said another big one for Long Island and uh, trying to play up the similarities, this fight to the first fight against GSP for Matt Serra. Does it feel like this? For you, does it feel like that experience, or does this one feel different? Uh, no, this one feels different. I mean, the nervous energy for me is there. It's another championship fight. Um, but uh, I think you were saying before is that, you know, Matt, nobody gave him the chance. I mean, walking in there, he was the biggest underdog in UFC history. You know, this kid, a lot of fighters are saying is going to win, and they see something in him that a lot of people, I guess, are missing. But um, so there's a, it's, it's similar, but I think that's the biggest difference is that Matt was really given no chance, and that was kind of fueling the, the fire. This time, you know, this kid just believes in himself, and this is what he wanted his whole life. He's worked hard. <clears throat> I believe he's earned it. He's got the accolades to, to back everything up. 
And, uh, you know, we're all excited about it. Does it concern you when you hear so many people singing his praises and saying he could beat Anderson Silva? Do you, do you feel like that might play against you guys and give him some false confidence heading into the fight? No, I don't think so. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're pretty seasoned that he's surrounded by some good people. You know, we're not going to let that have any, you know, any factor in the fight. You know, I think, you know, if they were saying stuff that wasn't true, maybe, but, you know, they, they believe in his wrestling. They see something in his stand-up. Uh, they like his attitude. I, I think it's well-deserved. He's obviously young. I mean, he, he's been in the UFC a lot less than Anderson Silva, 9-0 and overall in his career, 5-0 and in the UFC. Do you, does a part of you kind of feel like, I wish we had one or two more fights, you know, the, the big gap between the Munoz fight. I mean, you, do you really feel this is coming at the right time? Or in a perfect world, one or two fights away would have been better? I'm going to say in a perfect world, you know, I like, you know, being active. You know what I mean? So, uh, but I look at some of the fights Anderson's had against really people that offered him no resistance at all. So he's not in much better shape as far as I'm concerned. So uh, yeah, in a perfect world, I would have I would have liked to have seen maybe some more. But you know, this kid's ready to go, man. You know, we had some great sparring. He's had some wars in the gym, which were good. And I think he's uh, he just wants to get in there and prove to everybody he belongs there. At what point did his training camp start? He's been out for so long. He also had the shoulder injury, did he have a normal training camp or did the injury delay things? No, no, he had a great training camp. Uh, he's perfectly healthy, which is, to me, which is more important than anything. Um, you know, I thought we did the best job we could. We brought in a lot of sparring partners that I think were as close as we could get to this guy for the stand-up. And, um, and that's it, man. You know, his wrestling is his wrestling. He's, you know, he was back at Hofstra Wrestling. We had great jiu-jitsu guys to simulate, you know, what we thought was going to go on. So his camp was phenomenal. He's healthy. Again, I think that's the biggest thing with this guy is to keep him healthy. And that's all I'm happy about. I was just reading an interview. And by the way, before I get to that, there were some rumors that, and I, I doubt you would even say it if it was true, but I have to ask it. Uh, there were some rumors that he had a, or he re-injured his shoulder. Can you address that? I mean, is that is there any truth no, behind that? No, 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 no truth at all to that. I, I didn't read that myself, but <clears throat> definitely no truth to that. Yeah, and he told me the same thing. Just had to ask. You know, I, I read a a story on MMAJunkie.com earlier today, an interview with Chris, where he talked about how this was his most organized camp. How John Danaher really took a, a leadership role and put everything together, and it was a lot more structured. What does he mean by that? I mean, did you have a lesser role in this camp? What's going on here? No, 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 definitely not. Definitely not a lesser role. I think the fact that we wrote it down on paper, I mean, I think <laughs> it was the same camp we always had, you know, but whatever he wants to believe on that. But no, no, Dan did a great job, and he did kind of, he did organize us. I mean, but we did the same thing we always did. You know, we had the same workouts, the same sparring that we always did. And, and uh, I think it was, you know, I was going to the city with him, which I never really did before, but he he didn't do anything, I don't think, different than he did. But we were we were consistent, and we did all have a meeting, and we wrote things down, and every week we talked. So I think it was more. I think that's what he's talking about. It was maybe the communication between everybody was a little better. I I I, I, I believe that's what he's talking about. But uh, no, definitely not a lesser role. I you know, I talk to the guy every day. <clears throat> I think I basically see him every day, or at least five or six days a week. So. I was concerned I for that, you. I thought I thought that, Weidman was trying to push you out or something. Definitely not. No, 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 not that. Definitely not happening. You know, but, uh, uh, we, we we had a good time, and Dan did a, Dan did do a great job. 
I thought it was fascinating that uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was there, who's obviously a very dynamic striker, long, lean, similar body type to Anderson Silva. How useful was he to you guys? I, I thought uh, Thompson was a huge, huge addition to this camp. He gave him a couple of looks that we couldn't get from anybody else, and uh, I think he's going to take away the surprise factor that Anderson might have had. Uh, you know, the kid's young, he's quick, he's got long legs. You still there, Ray? Did we lose Ray? Is someone playing voodoo on us today? I think we may have lost Ray. Hear me or not? Oh, yeah, there you are. Hey, You're back. Uh, yeah, somebody must have texted him. But uh, where did I stop with that? Uh, he has long uh, legs. You, you were singing his praises, yeah, Wonderboy's no, praises. Legs, you, I think, you know, he's a professional. You know, he knew how to, you know, he knows how to spar. You know, there was no egos involved. He's a great kid. I don't know if you ever got a chance to talk to yeah. this guy, but he's uh, he's a really nice kid. Really, really, I think was a huge addition to the camp. And he's also sparred with Anderson in the past. Did he give you some secrets about him? Um, you know, we talked about it. I don't know if there's, there's no secrets in the fight game, but, uh, you know, he gave us a better idea of what to expect and. I think that's going to play a major factor. The big X factor that no one's talking about is that Anderson will have uh, the Honorable Sensei Steven Seagal in his corner. How worried are you about what he brings to the table and, and, and the knowledge that he can give Anderson to beat Chris? Uh, that would be a zero on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. That's rather insulting to the Sensei. No, no, that's not insulting. I don't, I don't think he's part of the training camp. You don't but, think? Uh, you don't think he's there figuring out the game plan and everything? I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't know. I never heard anything about it. But uh, I don't. I don't, I don't believe that'll be any factor in the fight. So you're not concerned about what he will tell Anderson about Chris and the the knowledge that he'll give to Anderson heading into the fight. No. No. Um, I just played that uh, that video blog from UFC 119 of Matt Serra talking about how uh, this is the future right here. This guy is going to be a champion. You'll remember when I passed the torch, and it's amazing with Matt retiring uh, a month ago, and now here we are, Chris, about to to fight. When you saw Chris back then, did you think he had that potential as well? Yeah, I think, I, I think I've expressed that to you in the past when I thought about this guy. And uh, yeah, I think from the first day I met him, I knew there was something different about him. I mean, I had never seen anybody do the things he did, and I think it's all going to come to fruition on July 6th. I hear a lot of people say, uh, oh, he's in over his head. He won't understand the magnitude of this. Vegas, the posters, the media, the fans. Once you get to the weigh-ins, staring him down, fight night, do you get the sense that he understands what's about to hit him when he hits Vegas? Uh, you know, I think, uh, I, I, I think so. You know, But again, I think you know, it's, it's a well-taken comment. I think you really don't know the magnitude. But you know, he did, you know, even when he fought Sakara, it was on two weeks' notice, and you know, he had a he had a banged up rib and you are going to be in the UFC and, you know, he passed that test pretty good. So it's not like he's, you know, unaware of fighting in the UFC or being in the big show for the first time or, you know, he's kind of, kind of gotten a glimpse of it. So, uh, I think if he stays in the moment and understands what's going on, he, he'll have no problem with that at all. Do you guys talk about that stuff? Do you, I mean, since you've oh, been yeah. there, you, you, you talk yeah, about always. how to deal with it and all that. Yeah. We're just going to like, again, we're going to stay in the moment and, uh, you know, the weigh-in's the weigh-in, you know, I mean, that's that's all it is. He's he's there to fight, he's there to, to win, and that that's it. He's not there to get in a spitting contest with this guy or do any other things that are stupid. He wants to go in there and, you know, fight the best guy in the world, which is what he's doing. I think he's really excited to test himself. 
How about for you? How exciting is this to be back in a title fight, all eyes on you and your team? Uh, you know, you haven't been in a title fight since UFC 83, that rematch against uh, GSP. And, you know, for a while now, all of a sudden, it feels like Long Island MMA is, is booming with all the prospects coming out of there and contenders like Chris Weidman. For you to be back here and to see how, how the, you know, the, the, the market, the region, Long Island MMA is doing these days, how exciting is this for you? I mean, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. I mean, I'll probably, I'll, I'll, you know, as usual, I'm in worse shape than the guys I train. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely feeling the excitement, and uh, it's it's a great thing. I just can't wait to get to Vegas and settle in and, you know, finish off what we started. Did you think this would come again? I mean, there was a moment there where, for a while, there weren't big fights for you guys. Did you feel like it was cyclical, or did you think that maybe there wasn't anyone coming through through the pipeline? Uh, well, uh you know, we never really look for anybody. You know, that, that I think that's the beauty of what we do here. It's homegrown talent. You know, I mean, these guys are both neighborhood kids that had their first MMA fight, first MMA fight with me. Um, I'm not really, you know, we're not inviting guys in. We're not doing anything. We just take who, what we have on Long Island and try to get the best out of them. And I think that's the, the, the story behind this is the homegrown talent that we're always putting guys in the UFC that, you know, have started from just you know, taking, uh, you know, martial arts classes, really. You know, and I think, uh, you know, maybe after this, you know, we'll, we'll look to, you know, spread the gospel a little bit. For right now, we're just happy doing what we're doing. That's why I think you see it's more of a family environment. Everybody's interwoven together. Uh, everybody's friends. I mean, come on, to, the, to this day, Matt's probably my best friend. I mean, I know the guy probably 15, 16 years. Uh, you know, I expect to know Weidman another 16 years if I'm alive. But, um, if you're alive, you know, why do you have to throw that in there? Jeez, depressing yeah, no, me. I'm just saying, you know, I might be on the, I might be on the back nine at this point. Oh come but, on! Um, but you know what I'm saying, though. But sure. I mean, it's really been that type of thing. I think that's what makes this team special. We're not really, you know, we're not pitching anybody to come to the team. We're really taking what we have and doing the best with it, you know. And uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. I really, you know, my heart and soul will always go into that more. And if I invited some guy over after he had 12 fights, you know what I'm saying? It really will. What happened with Costa Filippo? Uh, you know, you have to ask him. I mean, all I'll say on that is, you know, the guy was 5-0 and in his last five fights, and he was ranked number five in the world. So uh, you got to ask him. You know, I think I did my job, and and that's it. I guess he needed a change of pace, so... Uh, you know, but is there any truth to the rumor that he was trying to set up something with Chris in the future and didn't want to be training with him anymore? No, definitely not. I would say there's no truth to that. Okay. And, and you, you mentioned your great relationship with uh, with Matt, who, of course, retired recently. How is he doing uh, health-wise? I mean, we had him on the show like a month or so ago, but any update on him? No, I think he's doing pretty good. You know, he just had his third daughter, so he's, mm. he's busy and... Uh, you know, having a rib removed and going through that process, I think, you know, he, he's great, man. He's He's got a great outlook on life. But, you know, he's, uh, you know, I guess it has, has to take a, a little toll, but he seems to be great. Every time I talk to him, we're laughing and, you know, doing, you know, our normal routine. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's phenomenal, man. He, he had that blood clot. He went right back into the operation. It was... Uh, yeah, I think he woke up. His the, the plug broke in his armpit. He was back in the emergency room. He just, I don't, I don't think he could stop this guy. <laughs> I really don't. And then a week later, his daughter was born. So wow, you know, he, he has a lot on his plate. You know, and 
he's a great family guy, and I think that's what I, everybody should take out of this is that, you know, you know, you do have to take care of your health, and he's got a family, he's got three young girls, and he's going to do what it takes to uh, ensure they have a great future. Will it be weird not being there with him in Vegas? It'll be a little weird. You know, I think he's a part of my coaching. I think we go hand-in-hand hand with each other. You know, we've coached so many guys. It'll be definitely weird. I think that's why I was making the trips to uh, to the city is to, you know, get in sync with Dan and her and making sure everybody was on the same page. I mean, it's, you know, Matt, obviously, I mean, I got a long history with him. And, you know, I love coaching with the guy, and I hope he loves coaching with me. So, yeah, he'll be missed. But we're going to get this job done. And, like, again, you know, we had a really solid camp. And, you know, I think I got to know John better the last two or three months and you know we're going to be in sync tonight of uh, the fight one of the greatest things the ufc has ever done were those uh, video blogs leading up to matt's fight and we got to see your relationship up close and personal the the, the the content was hilarious now that he's retired are we going to see more of that what's going on here i feel like we're being deprived of, of great yeah, comedy keep, you know i yeah i keep uh every time i run into the guys that do the blogs they keep saying they're pitching new ideas but Nothing's, you know, ever coming to fruition. But yeah, those those were pretty funny. Sometimes I even go back and look at them. They are they're incredible. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty they're pretty funny. I was I was really happy with the the last one with Chael. I thought that thing was hysterical. That that was amazing. I'd love to see him do yeah. more of that. I love the interaction between you. You do you still have that picture of you? You know, the sort of Godfather like picture. You still have that. No, sure. Of yeah, course. I've got a hundred of them. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll bring you one. You should. I w you know what? I don't know if you've ever seen my set here, but we have a lot of uh, knickknacks here, and I think it would be great here. It would have a, a very uh, nice home here. That would be an absolute honor. You should bring them to the Fan Expo this weekend and sign them for people. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing one thing, focusing on Weidman winning that fight. You know, all the other stuff could come after that, but I'm really, really so excited and pumped up for this kid. It's amazing. By the way, when you look at Anderson, from your perspective, guy who's been undefeated in the UFC and other than the Chael fight has looked unbeatable, where are his biggest holes? Is it the obvious in your opinion? Is it, is it the wrestling? Because it feels like everyone talks about that now. Obviously, he's working on that. He knows what's coming from that end. But when you look at his holes, what are the biggest ones in your opinion? Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, I mean, the guy is where he's at for a reason. He's, you know, when I look at him, the guy is absolutely phenomenal. We're not discounting anything. You know, the, 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 the way I'm breaking it down in my head is that can a 40-year-old man stop this young, talented, strong, huge, technical, confident kid from dumping him on his head? Hmm. That's the way I look at it. This guy is a beast, and I think I think the age might play a little factor in this. You know, I'm not sure there's a guy in the United States that could stop this guy from putting him on his head, wow. you know, at that age. I mean, he's... He's that good, Ariel. He really is. He's a, and it's not just like you know bullshit. He's technical. He's strong. He's confident. I mean, he's got the the attributes that it takes to win this fight. And I think everybody knows that if that fight hits the ground, it's going to be a different story. Getting it there, yeah. I mean, we're going to see what happens on July sixth. You know, Whiteman's uh, like again, he's a big, strong, technical kid. You know. I've put him in with pro boxes, south four, six one. I mean, he's passed the test, so he deserves to be here. <clears throat> and um, you know, like again, you only well, everybody's going to find out something on July six. You know, I don't know who's going to be more surprised in the octagon, Anderson or Chris, but uh, you know, he's not going to be mentally defeated before he goes in there. And I think he's got the flight time now to uh, to get what he wants. 
So Anderson is 38, Chris is 29. Let's say Anderson was 29 right now. Is, is, is age the biggest thing, or do you think that you just put them up against each other, Chris is a better fighter? Well, I think, like, again, I'm not going to be repetitive. I think stylistically, you know, we believe that Weidman's a bad matchup for him. That's, mm. that's true. So um, I'm not saying age is the only factor. No, definitely not, because with age comes experience. And if you watch his fights, this is a calm, calculated striker, very accurate, never gets flustered, always stays in the moment. It's no, this guy's no joke. No joke. You know, I just believe the guys he's been beating aren't at Chris's level, standing up or on the floor. When you uh, when you put your head on your pillow at night, when you close your eyes, when you dream about July 6th, is there a, a scenario that keeps popping up? Do you see this fight ending a particular way? Uh, I do see it ending a particular way, yeah. And and what would that way be? Uh, I would think, uh, we're going to hold that <laughs> off to July. So I want to keep you in suspense. Oh, How wow. I write it? I'll write it on an envelope. Yes. And we'll open it up after the fight. How's that? It's a deal. Let's do, we'll, we'll, we'll do a Kreskin. We'll I, do an amazing Kreskin <laughs> on this. I love it. I can't wait. You got me even more. I, I said it's the most anticipated fight of 2013, in my opinion, and uh, somehow you just got me a little more excited for it. Yeah, my, my heart is pounding out of my shirt right now. Literally. <laughs> I can't pounding wait to see it. Pounding out of my shirt. I can't I wait. I hope I make it to the fight. Uh, you uh, pray for me. <laughs> when you guys, uh, I, I could have a heart attack. No, please, enough with these heart attack jokes. Yeah. When, when do you guys yeah. head out there? We're leaving tonight. Oh wow, at seven o'clock. And yeah, you... so we'll be there uh, tonight, and we'll settle in and start, uh, you know, doing everything tomorrow. Please don't go outside. I heard it's like two hundred degrees. Yeah, it's raining. It's it's pouring over here. No, I, it's, I'm. It's, it's, I mean, in Las oh, Vegas. Just over there, no, no, I'll be outside. I love I love the heat. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you by the pool, though. Absolutely. We'll have a pina colada you, you together. Have that, you have that Sicilian skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. A little Middle Eastern, <laughs> yeah. of course. Uh, can't wait for it, Ray. I, I wish you guys nothing but the best of luck. It's going to be an amazing show. Um, if nothing else, it, it should be very intriguing. Can't wait to see what transfolds yes. on July 6th. Chris Weidman versus Anderson Silva. Best of luck to you guys, and I'll see you out there in Vegas. Yeah, you're the best, man. You were there from the beginning, so I think it makes it more special. Thank you, Ray. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. I'll see you out there. There he is, the great Ray Longo. Unbelievable stuff from him. Uh, one of the best in the business. So great to have him on the show as he prepares his guy, Chris Weidman, to face Anderson Silva on Saturday night. Cannot wait for that. Now, one of the other big fights on Saturday night's card, we stick with the middleweight theme is uh, a couple of Strike Force vets making their UFC debuts. We've got Hajar Gracie, of course we know him, against this man, Tim Kennedy, with a big smile on his face. He cannot wait. Tim, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. I'm happy. You're going to be fighting on Saturday, right? Because I thought maybe for a second there they might yank you with your comments uh, that you had last week. I, I haven't heard that I've been from the card, but you know, nothing, nothing would surprise me these days. You know, what was interesting about those comments, and of course, if you missed them, you could see them online. They're everywhere. Tim talking about fighter pay. What was interesting about that was often we see people criticize the UFC for fighter pay when they're on their way out. You're going in. This is your first impression. What made you say this? And I know you later apologized and cleared it up, but what made you say this to begin with? Did you not apologize? Uh, I, I don't. I think the UFC knew what they were getting when they got me, and that's uh, an outspoken, honest dude. And, um, you know, through the course of that, that interview with Grappler Talk, they, you know, we were talking about how many different people have second jobs. I am no different than most other MMA fighters. I have other sources of income because I can't live off MMA. Um, and uh, And that was 
that's what led into into those comments. You know, it was just an honest assessment of here's the deductions that usually occur in a fight, and it's a lot less money than most people think. This has been gaining a lot of steam lately, a lot of people talking about this. Do you think something's going to happen here? Do you think there, there, there's a change coming? Um, I don't know. Ho- hopefully, you know, the... I would love to be able to, you know, fight, and I think most fighters would say the same thing, you know, at a level where we didn't need other, you know, I I didn't have to run other businesses, I didn't have to be a soldier, I didn't have to, you know, whatever, Shane Carwin, be an engineer, um, you know, we just, we could just fight, but, you know, it's hard, you know, it's it's hard to fight two, three times a year, and uh, all of your income come from that, it's it's not enough, Um, you know, and, and I'm one of the better paid fighters, so, that's that's weird, tragic, but that's that's how it is. How much do you think you deserve to make? Um, you know, like I said, so that I could train full time, I didn't have to do anything else. Hmm. Uh, you know, for I, I don't even know where I'm, I'm ranked right now. You know, I, I know boxing's always had a tier a tiered system of. Um, you know, like of course the top one percent making way more than the other ninety nine percent. That it's a little di- bit different in MMA. Uh, we have so many marquee fighters. It's not just that top one two percent. You know, we have like most of the fans are going to be watching all of the fights. You know, from the prelims, even from the Facebook, all the way through the pay per view. So, uh, you know that that format doesn't really work. Um, you know, some something similar to like hockey pros or, you know, God, we should at least make as much as like golf guys, you know? (laughs) Wow. No love for the golf guys. No, they don't get punched in the face for a living and they uh, don't have quite, uh, as short of careers as we do. Very true. Actually, their careers are probably the longest of all the pro athletes. Um, you know, there's, there's an obvious reason for that. Do you think if there was more competition, this would change? No, not necessarily. Do you mean more promotions or yeah, more yeah. fighters? No, no, no. More promotions. More places to go. No, you know, the NFL, the NBA, mm. Major League Baseball, they've all been successful. You know, they don't, they don't have competitors. You know, they have multiple teams, lots of players. Um, you know, like in some instances, athlete unions. Uh, you know, so, you know, if it was just the UFC, the only one out there, and, you know, that might eventually be the case. Um I don't think it's necessary for there to be other promotions for, you know, like competitive pay, you know, like bunch, bunch of athletes, short careers, only so many fights in a year have to figure out how to, how to survive off, off of that money. So you mentioned those other sports, those sports have unions. Do you think MMA needs a union? Oh, <laughs> you don't know. You don't have a, you don't have an opinion on that. You have an opinion on everything else. Not that. No, I definitely have an opinion on that. But, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the fight. Oh, okay. Well, you know, are, are you worried? Are you worried that because you said what you said last week that you need to win on Saturday? Do you, are, are you worried that you might not be around if you lose on Saturday? Yeah, let's talk about me losing, Errol. This is a fun interview. Well, you know, you know what I'm saying. Did you put more pressure on yourself? You, you, you know, you know the climate of the Zufa execs probably better than I do. I, how about I ask you that question? Should I be worried? 
What, what do you mean? You, you think I've asked them specifically if, if this is going to affect your future? Is that what you're implying? No. I, I said, you know the climate of Zufa execs far more personally than I do. So Not you really. would probably have a more uh, intuitive response than I would. I don't know those guys. Um, I'm going to go out and try to knock Hodger out regardless. And, you know, the outcome to me, in, in my mind, there's only one. That's me winning. So I don't care. Oh no! I, and I, absolutely, I just felt like if you felt like you you had more pressure on your shoulders these days because I, I look at it from my perspective. If I was going into a job and before I signed that contract or before I perform, performed on the first day and I openly complained about what they were paying me, I would think that I'm not getting off on the right foot. In hindsight, not saying you were wrong to complain, not saying you, anything you said was wrong, but I could see why my employer would not like that. I I agree. So then when I brought up the, the statement you put out afterwards, you kind of said, oh, like, it sounded like you were like, I'm oh, apology. Was that not an apology? Did you not write that? Do you not believe in what you wrote afterwards? No, I, I believe in what I wrote. Um, how about this? We have now been talking for nine minutes and 11 seconds, and we haven't talked about the fight. We're getting so there. So I'm going to give you another 45 seconds to talk about fighter pay, and then we can talk about me fighting Quentin Jackson in a WWE match or um, me, Katy Perry – <laughs> doing zombie shooting, cooking, and anything interesting. Um, I know you love talking about the, all these hot topics, but at some juncture, I'd love to talk about UFC 162 on Saturday okay. night when I'm fighting Hodger Gracie. Um, so, no, I, I believe everything that I say. Um, I stand by what I said originally, and, you know, I'm not somebody that's, if, if I say something and I, and I and I make my bosses mad and they say, "Hey, you need you, you need to say something about it," then I will, uh, and I, and I'll stand by what I said the first time and and the reasons why I apologized afterwards. At first, I thought maybe it was just an April Fool's joke and none of it was really true. Uh, it's, it, it was June when I said it, <laughs> and uh, in July. I know. I'm kidding, of course, because we had a little conversation about that when you threw your name into the. Uh, the, the, the Musasi sweepstakes. Remember that? I do. That was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have much of a sense of humor those days. So you're fighting uh, Hodger Gracie. Do you think he's a one-trick pony? Yes. At UFC 162 on Saturday on pay-per-view. Do you think he's a one-trick pony? Some have called him that. Well, I, I think he is so dominant on the ground that, you know, his one trick is really, 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 really good. Um, no, I don't think he's a one-trick pony. I think his stand-up is underestimated. He's really good at using range. And anybody that was only expecting to go in and have him try to take you down is going to have a rough fight. Um, with that said, I don't want him taking me down, but I also have to be wary of you know him trying to stay at range for 15 minutes. You know, I'm the one that's going to have to close the distance and get inside to do damage. What do you think of his stand-up? What do you think of how he's evolved as an MMA fighter? Yeah, every fight he looks better. You know, he's um, his last fight. He looked fantastic. You know, the first round he was slow starting. Um, he was using his jab pretty well. Um, he was getting eaten up on leg kicks, but um, you know, he has he has a real weird tempo and a weird pace. It seems like it kind of throws guys off. So his his stand up has improved every fight, and I don't I I expect to see yet again another improved version of his stand up. I mentioned when the UFC booked this matchup, this one in particular, I don't like that they're booking Strike Force versus Strike Force guys. I want to see you against UFC vets. That's what's interesting about the 
the sort of invasion, if you want to call it, of the Strike Force guys. It's very rare when you have a whole organization fold into another. Were you bummed out when you saw this matchup? It's a good matchup. I like it. But I wanted to see you against, you know, uh, I'm, Bisping comes to mind because he's like a UFC middleweight veteran. You know what I'm saying? I know that excites you very much. But you know, did you think of the same thing? This is a Strike Force guy. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. You know, I, I want to do, you know, for so long, all the Strike Force guys were in this tiny little pool, this small stable of athletes, and, you know, we could only fight each other so many times. You know, like, I'd probably be fighting Jacare again if we were still, you mm-hmm. know, with Strike Force or, you know, like, beat him, probably another rematch with Luke. You know, there's only so many fights there for us. And then the floodgates were opened, and we could fight anybody in the UFC. And uh, my first debut at UFC 162, Anderson Weidman card, and I'm fighting a Strike Force guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was disappointed a little bit because I've, I've been wanting to fight so many of those guys for so long, and uh, you know. But then, you know, like like you said, I think it's a good matchup for me, and stylistically, and you know, and and then, uh, an opportunity to fight another Gracie. Cool. Uh, for a guy who started his career in this sport around 12 or so years ago, was there a point where you thought, you know, I might not ever make it to the UFC? And if so, that's okay. Or did you have to make it to the UFC to, to, to sort of round out your career in your opinion? No, it's, it's always been about the opponent. You know, it's ultimately the guy standing across the cage from you, whether it's a, you know, an eight sided cage, a ring, you know, a five rope ring, a three rope ring. If, you know, you're fighting in Brazil, if you're fighting an Indian casino in California, ultimately it's just the dude on the other side of the cage. And, uh, you know, and I, I fought some great guys and that's what it's always been about for me, like beating the best guy that I can get in front of me. Uh, Strike Force had a whole bunch of the best guys. Now we're in the UFC, and my access to even more of the best guys are available. So I'm excited. You know, do I have to fight in the UFC to round out my career? No, but I wanted to fight some of the guys in the UFC to round out my career. So yes. And then, coincidentally, you end up fighting a Strike Force guy in your UFC debut. But I'm sure you will get the opportunity to fight other UFC guys as your career goes on there um do you feel like you know the moment all the, i mean this is a pretty big card july 4th anderson silva fighting i mean this is not your typical strike force ifl event do you think you'll have a second to you know have to deal with that and and, and check yourself and not get too overwhelmed by it no um I'm, I'm not one that gets drawn into all the shenanigans that go along with fight cards you know i'm i'm there to fight uh, you know, ultimately, regardless of where I'm staying or how many fans there are, I'm going to walk out to the cage, I'm going to get in the cage, they're going to close the cage, and all the lights kind of drown everything else out. And uh, now i got to punch a dude in the face across from me. Um, you know, maybe afterwards, after the fight, uh, I'll be able to walk around or, you know, I'll definitely try to make it back to see Anderson's fight because, you know, I have a vested interest in that mm. and, uh, you know, like to see the best MMA guy in my lifetime you know, fight are a really hard tough fight. So I'm excited. Are you picking Anderson in that fight? No, I'm picking Weidman. My mm-hmm. heart is picking Anderson. My mind is picking Weidman. Why are all the fighters picking Weidman? Because he's a freaking juggernaut. Um, Have you ever trained with him? I, I, was, uh, I was up in New York uh, doing, I don't know, some, some photo shoot. And, uh, I went to their gym, you know, this was a few years ago before, yeah, I think he had one or two UFC fights, and, um, you know, I was rolling around with him, and I was like, God, this guy's good, you know, and then, like, two hours later, and we didn't 
you know, like ever like really settle into a position. You know, never, no, nobody got mount, nobody got rear mount, nobody mm. got side control. It was just scrambling for two hours. I was like, holy crap, this guy is legit. And then, um, and then you know, seeing it stand up, I was like, this is a, a fantastic boxer. And then uh, anyway, it's just thing after thing. I was, you know, this is year two years ago. I was I was impressed, and I knew that he was going to make waves in the division, and and he has. Um, so a healthy Weidman's a scary thing. But you know, I, I hear all that. But I think we some of us are forgetting this. Is, I'm not saying you, but some people when talking about this fight, it's Anderson Silva. It is Anderson Silva after all. Like all that stuff sounds great, but it's Anderson Silva. I, I'm surprised so many people are picking Weidman. You know he's. Like I said, he's the best mixed martial artist that's existed in my lifetime. Mm. Anderson Silva is like, he's the goat. You know, he's he's the best. Um, he's also thirty-seven. Mm. He's, uh, you know, he's also been a champ for a really long time. Complacency. I don't. Man, there's just so many things to being a fighter and in MMA. And you know, just as well as I do, MMA is not like all other sports. You know, like anybody can lose on any night. Um, you know, and then, then just the percentages, the timing, the angles is, is what starts the small little battles, every single from head position, to hand fighting, all those little things start making a difference. And, uh, stylistically, Chris is a tough fight for him. You know, like Chael demonstrated, um, a deficiency in Anderson's game and, uh, you know, Weidman's just a way bigger, stronger, younger version of that. I don't know if you know this, but the first fight that I was ever credentialed to was you versus Jason Mayhem Miller, HGNet fights number two. And uh, that was in Dallas, Texas. And I'm wondering, because you fought him twice, uh, what, what do you make of what's, what's become of Mayhem Miller? Life, man. Uh, you know, lots of little choices lead up to how and who we are. Um, I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes. I make a lot of bad choices. Uh, I try to make the right ones. Um, do I love that guy? He's always been an eccentric, unique personality. He's also been an eccentric, unique mind. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm disappointed that, uh, you know, kind of like where he's going or where he's been, but I, you know, I, I, I consider him a friend and I, and I want him, I want the best for him. So, I mean, I don't know. Like I, after some of the stuff, I was like, hey, do you want to come out to Texas and, and hang out here? And he's like, eh, Texas is the last place I want to be. I'm like, well, Austin's okay. You know, you'll, you'll have fun here. And uh, so, I don't know. I uh, hope him the best. It would be nice if there was some kind of, you know how the NFL Players Association have like a retired Players Association where they kind of look after you? I mean, it's not great. There's still a lot of issues. But if there was something that would these guys can get something afterwards where if your career's not over, it just doesn't end. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, the UFC does, I think they do a pretty good job of finding jobs and places for some of the marquee athletes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, guys like Forrest Griffin and Matt Hughes and Chuck Liddell, you know, they, that, that have a position for them in the company. You know, that, that's great. That's, that's fantastic. You know, like, but, but what we were talking about earlier in the show, um, you know, like our careers are so, are so short, you know, the long longevity of, of our competitiveness is, you know, is, is that pocket of that time is, is so small that, you know, after the, after our careers, you know, like we either made enough money to be able to do something or do nothing, uh, and, you know, like enjoy life or, you know, we're trying to get jobs as cops or, or like I said, garbage men mm. or, 
you know, whatever whatever else there is for us. And, and that's 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 a scary future for an MMA fighter. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what the solution is. Um, you know, a, a, a retirement fight uh, club sounds kind of scary, but I don't know. Do you still train at Greg Jackson's? Yeah, but you're in Austin now. Yeah, I was. Uh, I did what six weeks in Austin or in uh, Albuquerque, and I got. I came back here two weeks ago. Went to Houston for for a week with Andrew Craig. Hmm. And then uh, came back a couple of days, or yeah, two days ago, to pack my bags and get on a plane tomorrow. Uh, on Twitter, I saw you write recently that uh, the things you can't live without are one bacon, two donuts, three my phone, four Twitter, five MMA, six peanut butter, and seven chocolate. So, no loved ones, no family, no friends. Those are the things you can't live without. Bacon, number one. Th- things, things I can't oh, live without. Actual yeah. things. Yeah. Okay. Um, I could have, I could, you know, 140 characters is pretty limited. Mm. Um, that, the hashtag that I was, you know, trying to capitalize on, which was things that you can't live without. Um, I'm fairly certain my wife would murder me if I called her a thing. Right. Uh, I missed the thing uh, part. I, I apologize. I, I thought those were just like your top favorite, I guess, things in the world. But you know what I mean? I, I, I didn't know that we were just talking about objects there. But bacon number one, though, interesting for a fighter who's in such good shape. When's the last when time you had it? Weight, you know, it's, it's, you uh, always want the things you can't have. And man, I haven't had bacon in like two months. That sounds so good. And w- will you have it after the fight? When maybe, not immediately, because mm. I'm, I'm not exactly sure where in the MGM Grand I can get bacon at two in the morning. Rather, bacon I would want to have. Sure, I'm sure. sure. I could find bacon. But, sure. <laughs> um, in the next week following, I'm going to take a week off, you know, and, and I'll enjoy life. Um, I'm not a guy to like you know, balloon up to 240 and be all fat. I'll, I'll be right back in the gym training but uh, and eating fairly clean. But I'll enjoy a week of, of normal life. Well, good luck in the fight. I'm looking forward to it. It's Tim Kennedy versus Hajar Gracie this Saturday, one of the more intriguing fights on this Saturday's card, featuring a lot of interesting middleweight fights. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the, the, the division is being spotlighted very much on Saturday night. Good luck to you, Tim. We'll see you in Vegas. You so looking much. forward to it. Yep, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. There he is, Tim Kennedy, stopping by, making his UFC debut. I mentioned a lot of middleweights being featured on Saturday. We know about the main event. We just talked about that fight. How about another interesting middleweight fight that's on the pay-per-view? It's Tim Boach versus our next guest, Mark Munoz. Mark, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. How are you, Ariel? I'm doing great. How about Tim talking about all that bacon stuff? Man? You, you, my friend, want none of that. No, no, I'm, I'm done with bacon, man. Done with bacon and onto, onto like fresh fruits and vegetables. You know, it's very interesting. You have done a ton of media uh, heading into this fight. Almost, I feel like you're out there more than Chris Weidman because of your transformation. You have this hashtag uh, obese to beast. Uh, you showed the pictures to us over the weekend, how you looked when this fight camp started, how you look today. Why did you feel the need to be so open about your troubles after the Chris Weidman fight and what you dealt with mentally? I mean, I, I just felt like it, it was something that needed to be shared, man. I mean, all my all my training partners here. I'm actually at practice right now, taking a break from uh, from drilling. But uh, all my training partners have have expressed to me how amazing it was, my transformation, and and um, they they they're like, man, you should post it. You should do this. You should do that. And so it was something that I felt like I needed to do. I mean, a lot of people need a need some added added motivation. And, 
And for me, like, this is something that if, if somebody weren't to be able to help me out, you know, I, I don't know where I would be either. So, you know, I'm just letting everybody know that they can do it as well. You know, I, I, came, I came up from the depths of my lowest low and, and was able to be triumphant over it. And so, you know, with a little bit of discipline and dedication, I was able to get to where I'm at today. Why did you get so depressed? Uh, because, man, I mean, I, I've been at the top a few times, man. I've been, I've been there, and um, due to some unfor- un- unfortunate, um, unforeseen things that happened to me, I wasn't able to accomplish my goal, and that's, that's ultimately be a world champ, and that's what I want to become. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that, that I shoot for, and, and uh, I, I'm a guy that wears, wears the heart, my heart on my sleeve. Like, uh, if, well, I, take, I take losses pretty, pretty, uh, pretty bad. I mean... If you, if you talk to my training partners, they'll, they'll, they'll test to that. But, but at the same time, I'll rebound quick, and I'm resilient that way as well, and I'll learn from my mistakes. So, um, so not only from, from losing, but then having the most turbulent year I had last year with backing out against Chael Sonnen and seeing him being number one contender and fight for the title and then rush back into it and fight Weidman. And then, um, you know, my elbow still bothering me, and then in the process I end up breaking my foot. You know, and, and um, then the doctor telling me that my foot was so bad that I had to stay out for a year. You know, that kind of threw me for a loop. And, you know, I'm a guy that, that um, I'm a fighter. And this is how I make money, and I need to make money fighting. And if I don't fight, I don't make money. And I have a wife and four kids and, and uh, had a gym to support, too. But now I just needed this year to be able to, to, be able to kind of um, just restructure everything and and it was actually a blessing in disguise that it happened to me that, you know, with the self-doubt and injuries, adversity, and, and depression, I was able to kind of, kind of, like, restructure everything and get to a point where, you know, my gym's in the black now, and, and um, you know, I'm more intentional with my kids and, and uh, more thoughtful towards my wife, and, and now everything's in order now, you know, and I feel like I'm going into this fight in the best shape of my life. Um, I got the best team I can possible with me right now and and this weight cut's going to be fantastic and i'm just looking forward for the fight and we're looking at those before and after photos that you posted over the weekend which are nothing short of incredible it's an amazing transformation to see you the way you looked at the beginning of all of this and to see the way you look now and i do agree you hear it a lot you do appear to be in the best shape of your life. what was the beginning of all of this? like you lost to chris wyman and then right away did you feel like you hit rock bottom or was it a, a gradual decline for you no, it was a gradual decline. I mean, I I, um, I felt like that that wasn't me in the fight. That that definitely was not me. And and uh, you know, for all for all my training partners that know me, they they know that uh, that I didn't put my best foot forward. Literally, you know, mm. uh, my foot was broken in that fight. Uh, the doctor had told me when I came back that um, that my fifth metatarsal is um, is broken, and that and that I need to take six months. Um, six months to be able to uh, recover, and then three months to be able to uh, to rehab, and then I'll be able to get back uh, get back onto the scene. So uh, that that news right there just kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. And um, you know, to be on the shelf for a year that that was something that that I wasn't um, I didn't want to hear. You know, and that that was it. And and I kind of just 
and I was like Fat Bastard on Austin Powers. I was just, I was eight because I was sad, and I was sad because I ate. Mm. And that's basically how it was, man. And and I went to all my comfort foods, man. And and when when Tim Kennedy talks about bacon, I ate my fair share of bacon. I really did. And uh, you know, I went to I went to some other things. You know, my mom's home cooking in the Philippines, and I went to the Philippines and ate there. My family cooked a feast for me there, and came home and just just kept eating, man. And uh, and I felt like I couldn't train, so I might as well do something. But, but you know, I mean, that's that's something that's kind of real, you know, that I think a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. Is when they when they get sad, they look for food, and and um, you know, I'm just being more open about it. You know, I I'm I'm someone that's you know honest with with what happens in my life, and and I confront it head on, and I confront adversity, take it head on, and and take it as it comes, man, and, and that's something that was very real in my life, and now I can look at somebody when they say they're going through depression and look through eyes and look through lenses of compassion and be like, okay, yeah, you know, this is how I was able to conquer it, and hopefully this can help you. So that's something that I want to be able to inspire and motivate people with, you know, to be able to help them because it was real, man, and, um, and, that, and I have the proof right there. You know, I was at my lowest of low and my highest of high in weight, and... Um, you know, I had, to, I had to conquer that. You know, what's interesting about this story, especially when it applies to sports, is that when you hear an athlete go through something like this, they often talk about drugs and all this kind of stuff. You're talking about food, which obviously is, 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 is a major thing that people struggle with every day, but you're not talking about those taboo subjects like all kinds of drugs. Did you ever think about doing any of that stuff? No, man. I'm not a guy that does drugs or alcohol. I don't party or do any of that stuff. You know, I, I got, uh, you know, I've never, it's never passed my mind to do anything like that. Um, you know, I've never, I never, ever in my life, in my wildest dreams, ever thought about, you know, sticking a needle in me or, or um, smoking a joint or anything like that. So, you know, for me, it was uh, just comfort and foods. You know, that's what it was, man. So, um, and, you know, to be able to spend more time with my family and, you know, there was a lot of things in my personal life that I had to take care of and, uh you know that's that's uh, something that it was. That's why I say it's a blessing in disguise because now I'm more intentional with my kids. Now I'm having more conversations, you know, relevant conversations that um, pertain to their age that I can talk about and lead them through as a as a father and a leader of the family, and and I can talk to my wife about things that that uh, that pertain to our marriage and our relationship, and um, you know those were some of the things I needed to heal and and get better. And um, and I'm glad that I actually went through this adversity. You know, uh, it was it was it sucked going through it, but uh, but now looking back in retrospect, I see the reason why I went through it. And everybody says everything happens for a reason. I didn't know why I was going through it, but now there's clarity in it now, and now I see why. And you have a lot of loving, caring fighters, talented fighters around you. Your family, obviously, loving and caring. Your wife, four kids. Did anyone try to stop you and say, "Hey, you're getting"? out of control here. You don't look like yourself. You're not acting like yourself. Or did they just let you go and, and be you? No, man. There was, there, was a, there, was, there was a lot of people saying, hey, man, you're looking huge right now. How much you weigh? And uh, they, you know, they just didn't want to, I guess they didn't want to insult me, you know, mm. so to speak. They, uh, they're like, hey, hey bro, you need, a, you need to start doing something. I mean, there was a lot of guys that were saying that to me. Um, and I just, you know, I kind of just kind of shook it off and, you know, kind of gave him the hand a little bit. But uh, but then my wife goes, hey, why don't you step on the scale, see how much you weigh? And this was in January. Stepped on the scale, it was 261. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. You know, and, um, 
And I was tipping the scales before Weidman at 247. So uh, 12 weeks before I accepted a fight, I was 247 against Weidman. So, I mean, you can see that, you know, when something happens to me, I resort to food. I don't go to drugs. I don't go to alcohol. I resort to food. And, and, um, and that's, that's what happened to me. So, you know, right now it's, it's um, you know, now, now I see everyone that was kind of there encouraging me, telling me, hey, you need to get your, uh, your butt back into the gym. You start doing something. That, and now, you know, I have a great team behind me with my nutrition, with my strength and conditioning, with all my training partners. They, they know how it is now. And, and um, you know, I'm using this adversity to be able to encourage them. So what was the turning point for you? How did you get back on track? The turning point was when uh, when I got on the scale. Huh. Wow. <laughs> and I saw myself at 261, and then I went straight to my trainer. I was like, hey, I, there's, there's, I need to do something, man. And he, he looked at me. He goes, wow. He goes, before before we even started anything, he took a picture of me. And that, and, and uh, actually, no, take that back. Um, he's like, we need to start doing cardio. And so we started doing cardio and stuff. And uh, he's like, that's first and foremost. And then... And then about a week later, he was like, "Hey, man, I need to do I need to do a before picture because this is gonna this is gonna take the cake, man. This is this is gonna be the 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 uh, the one that that triumphs every other before and after picture." Yeah. And I go, "All right, man." And and he didn't show me my before picture until about uh, ten days ago. Wow. And when I saw it, dude, I was just floored. I was floored when I saw it, and so I was like, "Man, I gotta, I gotta do something with this, and and be able to encourage and motivate people." Was there ever a point where you were afraid that you dug yourself in too big of a hole, that your career was over, that you just got out of control, and that you won't get back to the 205 Filipino wrecking machine that we know? Yeah, you know, there was there was a lot of self doubt in me, man. There was there was a uh, there was some. Uh, you know why? Why am I? Uh, why am I doing this? Like, you know, I've been to the top and wasn't able to cash in, and there was a lot of there was a lot of that going on in my head, a lot of negativity, and and I didn't want to. Uh, you know, there's 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 times where I didn't want to practice and be like, you know, maybe I am done. You know, and um, you know, the, if it weren't for my training partners and my trainers and everybody around me, I I, I wouldn't be here today telling you that that I'm triumphing over this adversity. So, yeah, there was a lot of that going on in my head. So we see how you look on, on paper via those pictures. Mentally, physically, how do you feel going into this fight five days away? I feel amazing. I feel amazing. This is the best I've ever felt going into a fight. I've done everything right from, you know, right from here on out now. And, and I was doing a lot of things wrong. I wasn't training right. I, uh, I was overtraining for sure. And uh, if you ask any any of my training partners that that have been with me, they they always say I'm overtraining. Well, I'm like, if you ain't overtraining, you ain't training. Mm. And that was my perspective. But now I'm getting older. You know, the reason why my body was breaking down was because I was overtraining. You know, I was, and and I wasn't taking care of my body. I wasn't getting it worked on. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. And and I was just grinding through everything. So um, so yeah. So now like. You know, I'm, I'm doing things smart, doing things right. You know, I'm making sure I'm periodizing my schedule, making sure I'm peaking towards every event now. And, and this, is, this is the result of it right now. And you're seeing the fruits of, of what's happening as how, far as planning and preparing. How much does it bug you that Weidman is fighting Anderson, main event of this card, the card that you're coming back? Is that a tough thing to swallow? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and, um, 
I, I, uh, I you know, it's, yeah, like I said before, everything happens for a reason, and and I needed I needed this to happen to me. I really did, and so um, so I'm thankful for it. So I'll get my chance. I will. Is it is it that remind? Like, do you wish that you weren't on this particular card because he kind of signifies that beginning for you of that of that that spiral to the the point that you didn't want to be in? No, man. No, I don't take back anything that happens in my life. Everything happens for a reason, like I said, and, yeah. and it, it happened. You know, there's, there's things that happen to your life that are unforeseen that, that you won't ever see. And, and that elbow, I didn't, I didn't see coming. And, you know, I dropped my hands and came in for a heater, and he caught me. And there's a lot of things in life that's going to happen that you don't ever see, car accidents and, and cancer and all this stuff. But you got to keep a, a positive attitude in mind to go through it. And um, you know, I, I, I liken MMA to life, man. This is this is straight up like like no other. And like this is unforeseen, but I'm gonna have a positive attitude through through it. And um, and I'm looking forward to this fight to to let everybody know that that um, I've conquered my demons and and now I'm back. By the way, th- I, when I heard this matchup, I thought it was the perfect matchup for both of you. Do you share that sentiment? It just seems like. That a classic Joe Silva UFC type matchup. You're both coming off tough losses, similar styles, tough. You know, you're. It just it just feels right. This this matchup feels right. Did you feel that same way when you got it? Yeah, it feels right. It does. And um, you know, this this matchup will get us back to where we want to be, a step closer to the title. And and um, you know, I'm, this is this is this is a great matchup, great fight. And by the way, uh, Chris is the sexy pick. You fought him. You trained with Anderson. Are you on the Chris bandwagon? Do you think he beats Anderson? Uh, no. No, I don't. Um, although Chris possesses all the tools to be able to give Anderson problems, yes, he does. But I, I truly believe that um, Anderson is, uh, you know, I've trained with Anderson. I know what he's capable of. And, and when he moves the way he's going to move in this fight, you'll see that he's, he's definitely the world's best. And what's your relationship like with Anderson these days? It's good, man. I went to his grand opening, his uh, his uh, Anderson Silva Muay Thai Academy op- grand opening. He's like, hey, we need to come train, and you know, we just we just been able to miss each other. We missed each other. He's been in uh, Brazil, coming back, and, and everything. So I've been here with my camp as well. So you know, we're we're on good terms, but we just we just missed each other for this camp. Mark, I appreciate the time. Uh, congratulations on making it back here and being in better shape than you were before all of this started. So happy to hear you're in a good place, healthy. Looking forward to this fight very much. Like I said, it makes all the sense in the world to me and very much looking forward to seeing you back in action on Saturday. Good luck to you. Thank you, Ariel. It's always a pleasure having you having me on the show, man. And uh, I appreciate everything that you do for the sport, dude. So Thank thanks, you very man. much. Best of luck. There he is. The Filipino wrecking machine, Mark Munoz, stopping by. If you have not seen those pictures, do yourself a favor. Go online. Go to MMAfighting.com. Go to Mark Munoz's Twitter, his blog, and look at those pictures. They're amazing. I thought the before and after Rick's Fit pictures are going to be amazing. From, from, from schlub to superstar, here he is, Mark Munoz, a UFC contender, looking the way he did before all this started and then looking the way he does now. And really, when you look at the way he does now, and this is before his cut to 185, and you compare it to how he usually looks at the weigh-ins, he looks way better right now. He really looks incredible, and it's amazing considering what he has been through. And I remember I was at that fight in San Jose uh, in July of last year, Chris Weidman versus Mark Munoz. The, the, the elbow came out of nowhere, and I remember 
the way he reacted backstage. I was I was backstage doing my stuff for for fuel, and he was very emotional, and it, it was it was a very intense scene, and he obviously dealt with it very hard. And then the news of his foot and everything afterwards, which he just spoke about. And uh, to see him come back like that as a fighter at his age, I mean, this is not a very young guy. This is a guy who has been in the sport for a long time, the guy who has competed for a long time. He is 35 years old, after all. We talk about Anderson Silva. He's 38, just turned 38. Um, Munoz turned 35 in February. So it's tough for someone at that age to reinvent himself all over again. If he beats Tim Boach, he's right back in there in a a weight class, which a lot of the top guys are, you know, 1-0 in their last, you know, in the last fight, they're, they're, they're not riding very impressive winning streaks. Some of the, you know, the, the Bispings, the Stans, the Boaches of the world, you've got Philippou there doing his thing. Um, so it's a very interesting fight for Mark Munoz and very happy to hear that he is back on track. Looking forward to that fight very much. We continue with our middleweight theme and we welcome in our good pal Patrick Cote right now to the MMA Hour. Patrick, how are you? Hey, I'm pretty good, man. Uh, thank you for joining us. Happy Canada Day to you. Uh, what, what does Patrick Cote do on, on, on Canada Day? Uh, actually, we're on the boat now, so doing a little bit some wake surf and uh, enjoying the free time with friends now, so it's all good. So you're, you're doing the interview on a boat. I feel horrible that I just ruined your boat day. That, 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 that's very inconsiderate on my part. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You never ruined my day. You know that. All right. Well, happy Canada Day and, uh, and happy that you are joining us. You know, uh, some very big news came out about you recently that you're going to be a coach on Tough Nations, Australia versus Canada, you versus Kyle Noak. Did you have any idea you were in the running for this? Did you know that they were considering you to doing this? Uh, you know, I had a pretty good idea when the, the news came out about uh, the Canada against Australia. Uh, I didn't campaign for it, but for sure I was I wanted to do it. Uh, but there's more like the fans and everybody, especially on Twitter and uh, on the, on on the web, that uh, they were cheering for cheering for me and uh, they they wanted me as a coach. But uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm very happy. It's a great great opportunity, a lot of great exposure, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. When does it start filming? Uh, it's gonna be November. Okay. Uh, the tryout, the tryout is gonna be in September, right after the Toronto uh, mm-hmm. the UFC 165 fight card for three days. It's gonna be the tryout, and after that, in November, we're gonna start to film that. And and the filming, will it be in Australia or Canada? Uh, it's gonna be Canada. It's gonna be here uh, in uh, in Montreal or Quebec City. Uh, we don't know yet. We still don't know yet. Uh, there's still uh, some. Uh, Something to clear with the with the the, the the Quebec City or Montreal. They they still don't know, but it's gonna be here in around uh, uh, Montreal. That's amazing for you. You don't have to go all the way to Australia. You really lucked out there. Yeah, it's good, and uh, you know it's good for my uh, my uh, my assistant coach too. So we're not uh, you know as a coach we're not stuck in the house like uh, like the contestants. So we're gonna we're gonna be able to continue training uh, on our free time and uh, taking care of those guys in the, in the in the house. So it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. So it's it's welterweights and middleweights, right? Uh, the tryout's gonna be uh, welterweight and uh, middleweight. Uh, still don't know uh, if uh, it's during the show they will have uh, both divisions. But uh, yeah, the tryout's gonna be the, the 185 and 170. And what do you think? Do you think Canada has a surplus of unsigned UFC fighters who fight at 170, 185? Are you are you confident that you will have a a good crew of guys to go up against the Australians? 
Oh, yeah, I'm 100% confident. I think we're going to – I'm going there to sweep this season. I'm going there to win every fight. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to prepare those guys very well. And, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of fighters in Canada – uh, that they're very close to, to be part of the big show. And I hope we're going to have a big surprise, you know, some guys that we, we didn't expect and they come and they just uh, steal the show. So, uh, but, uh, you know, the bottom line, I'm pretty sure our team, I think Canada will be very solid. What I find so interesting about this story was, you know, we were talking to you very recently when you were trying to get back into the UFC, when you were fighting in strange locations in Brazil, hoping to get another shot. Now here you are, coaching when you were on the show many years ago you're you're being spotlighted you have this fight afterwards did you stop and think wow i mean it's amazing how things turn out because for a second you were on the outside looking in it's it's just unreal seriously a year ago i was in the middle of nowhere in uh, amazon forest fighting in brazil and fighting you know uh, my way back to to the ufc and uh, as you said you know my 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 UFC career is just uh, it's just insane. You know, start with the start with the main event right away against Dido Ortiz, fought for the title, uh, fought in uh, the the Ultimate the Fighter season four, uh, got fired, <laughs> came back, and now <laughs> and now I'm gonna be the coach of this show. So it's just uh, just amazing. Did you did you feel confident the whole time? Obviously not to be on on the show as a coach, but did you think it would turn out for the better? Did you feel like all right, I just have to go through this and everything will work out, or was there a point where you actually thought it might end without a return to the UFC? Uh, you know, if I if I were uh, aware of thinking like that, uh, I wouldn't go to Brazil to fight there. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't continue to to train very hard and uh, try. Try to to win fight when I was outside the UFC. I always, I always think that I was a, a UFC fighter even when uh, I was out, and uh, that's why I was I was training and fighting uh, almost anybody who wanted to fight me because I wanted to prove that I had still my 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 place in the in the big show. You know, one of the the other reasons why I wanted to have you on the show today was you famously fought Anderson Silva back at UFC 90, and of course he is fighting this weekend, and uh, it's a very sexy pick to pick Chris Weidman. Everyone, it seems, is picking Chris Weidman. Mark picked Anderson, Mark Munoz, we just had him, Tim Kennedy before him, picked Chris Weidman. Who are you picking, Anderson Silva or Chris Weidman, and why? Uh, you know what, I'm, I'll, go, I'll go with Anderson Silva. You know, this guy is just... One of a kind is amazing, and uh, uh, you know I don't think Wyman will have the standard skill to scare uh, Sanderson Silva and be able to get close and wrestle him and put him on his back and uh, going for for submission or use his wrestling. Uh, if he's able to do it, I think Silva will be in trouble. But he has to be close. He has to close the distance, and I, I don't think it's going to happen. So when you had your fight, obviously it ended, you know, not the way you wanted to with the injury and whatnot. How often do you think about that now? Do you still think about this? <laughs> no, uh, no, you know, I, I don't do any nightmare at night, at night <laughs> thinking about this fight. You know, I was, you know, I knew that I was with the best fighter in the world, and uh, I was, I was fighting him, and I was still there in the third round, and uh, you know, I had fun, and I was still there, and. Uh, I was able to uh, I was able to exchange the the best in, probably in the UFC history. So it's for me that was a big honor to fight this guy, and uh, I showed that to everybody that uh, I can stay with anybody in, in the UFC. So you know what? For me, it's just an experience, uh, more experience in the bag, and uh, I'm using it every day. So so you don't you never think like man, if I didn't get injured, I could have beaten him. I wish I had another chance, one more chance, all that stuff that 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 doesn't play. Into your thoughts when you're thinking, when you're having quiet moments and whatnot. 
No, you know what? It's for sure. You know, I, I fight and I train to to be number one. If uh, my goal is to have another another title fight, uh, you know, right now I'm fighting at 170. But when I was I came back to the UFC at 185, my goal was still the same to have a title fight. And uh, you know, the thing is, uh, I'm not saying that I was winning the fight, but I I, I was still there and I had fun. Uh, you know what? It's it's. I don't think about the past because I can't. I can do nothing about it. So right now I'm just focusing to move forward and uh, focusing uh, more energy about uh, having another title fight and winning fights. What kind of advice, if you could talk to Chris, because you've been there, you went into deep waters with him. What kind of advice would you give Chris about fighting Anderson and what goes on surrounding fighting Anderson? To be patient, uh, because if you start to chase him, to run after him, to he's gonna make you look bad because his footwork is so is so good, and uh, you know he's very accurate. That that's the, the that's the, the the hardest thing to do with with Anderson Silva. He's so accurate. He doesn't throw, you know, doesn't throw something with uh, for nothing. So you know, just to be patient and uh, you know, grab uh, jump on the opportunity to maybe close a distance and put put him on his back. But uh, if he's if he's too anxious and he's trying to to run after Silva, then Silva is gonna make him look bad for sure, like he did against uh, against Bonner, like he did against Forrest Griffin. The, both guys they they wanted to go too fast forward, and uh, you know we saw what happened. Anderson is one of those rare guys who seems to be getting better as he gets older. Yet there are some who believe like he that Chris is meeting him at the perfect time. He's coming down. He's 38, 37, and uh, Weidman is 29. He's going up. Do you feel like Anderson is slowing down? Do you feel like he's getting worse as he gets older? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> you know, the thing, I think that the, the, the problem with uh, with Silva is so confident that it's 10 times more dangerous, dangerous because of that. Uh, you know what he did against Bonner that was just unreal. You know Bonner is maybe he's not on the top of the food chains anymore, but he's still a legit fighter. He's still an awesome, awesome fighter. So, uh, but what he did with with Bonner, he was playing with him. That that, that was just unreal. And uh, you know that's why Silva is now is so confident that it, it's gonna be really really hard to break him. But I think I think Weidman is maybe one of the best guys who can do that now. But if he has a good game plan and he's able to close the distance, because he can fight Silva, uh, you know, uh, stand up and uh, you know trying to win the, the the stand up battle. A lot of people think that Weidman is maybe two or three fights. You know, he needed those two or three fights to get ready for Anderson. It's coming a little early. Do you think that's the case? Uh, maybe, but I think that the 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 worst thing is he he was out for for mm. a long time. You know, he just came back for from an injury for a surgery, and uh, you know, getting getting back after a long layoff like that against a title fight first, but against Anderson Silva, man, it's uh, it's gonna be hard. You know, the timing it's not the same. You, you need you need a couple of minutes to uh, to have your timing back on the high level uh, high level fighting. Uh, and uh, I think that's that's a major problem for uh, for Chris Weidman. He, he was he was out for a long time. So you think Anderson finishes him? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think he can finish in his, everybody in the, in this division for sure. Uh, but like I said, uh, once again, it's uh, if if Weidman is uh, is patient and is waiting the the right timing and the the right opportunity. Uh, to to close the distance, I think he, he has chance. But uh, you know what? The Silva is so hard to 
to, to get in close because his footwork and uh, his range and his accuracy is so good too. I'm very curious about the Waynes when they stand there and look at each other. Did you have a moment when you did, did you feel like uh, he was intimidating? Did you get a little nervous when you were you know facing off with him? Do you remember what it was like when you were squaring off with Anderson? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, but you know, this guy has a he has a good presence. You know, he's like he's it's he, Anderson Silva, but I think he. he for 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 us and our our game plan was was very very clear. We didn't want it to show him that we're we're nervous or we're scared. We, we weren't scared, but just when, especially when we start the fight, uh, we wanted to be in his face, but not not running after him. We were chasing him, but not getting over over excited. And uh, I think that's why I had uh, I had success in the first round because I think he saw that uh, I was there for real and. Uh, you know, everybody before me, I was, we were saying that the, in their eyes, there was there was losing right away before the fight was was start. So, uh, but man, that's that that's very hard to fight. That's complicated to fight this guy. Right. So, and and you got a second chance on the Ultimate Fighter season four. Now you're getting this opportunity. Would you like to see the UFC do another comeback season? I I thought. It was the most interesting season because we knew who you guys were. We already emotionally invested. We, we we know your stories, and then you come. It's like this tournament. You get a title shot. Do you think that would work, or do you think these days it, it doesn't work? You need new talent. Uh, no, I think uh, I think can be a really uh, really good idea. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that, uh, especially you know, when when what I did that. You know, there was a, a lot of good guys in uh in our in our house, you know, Matt Sarah and uh, all all those guys. And um I think it's it, now it's it's a little bit harder because uh you know it's that was in two thousand six, so it's almost like eight years ago. The sport changed uh so so much and uh there's a lot of young kids that they, they push the, the the old one. <laughs> they push the old one to get to to take their place. But uh, man, if they if they do that uh, comeback season, uh, another one, I'll check for sure. So you're you're fighting Colin Oak. Do you know when this fight is taking place? Uh, it's gonna be at the finale, uh, probably around April, March, April next year. Okay, and will it be in Canada or Australia? Uh, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. Like I said, there's a lot. There's a, in the next ten days, we're gonna have more confirmation about the, about the show where it's gonna be filmed and uh, the real day and uh, the the real way class and uh, about the 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 place of uh, the finale too. And are we gonna see a lot of tension, a lot of beef, a lot of hatred between you two? Do you not like Kyle Noak? Uh, right now, you know what? Uh, right now, uh, uh, for me, it's. Uh, I don't know him pretty well, you know. I don't know him, uh, and uh, we'll see. But I'm going there right first. I'm going there to to win this season and help those guys to to win uh, to win fights, to win the team Canada to, to win this season. Uh, but for sure, you know, at the end, uh, probably some some crazy thing will happen in the house and uh, between uh, our both team. Uh, it's, it's always like that, and uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit uh, rivalry will will born in the house for sure. Final question, most important: Will you have poutine today? Pardon me. Will you eat poutine today? Where? Will you eat poutine today to celebrate Canada Day? Oh boy! Well, I will. I will. Uh, probably <laughs> the best place to do it. It's uh, at the Banquise in uh, yes. Montreal uh, downtown. So that's that's the best poutine uh, in town for sure. All right, uh, Patrick. <laughs> again, thank you for joining us. Uh, enjoy your day off. Enjoy the boat, the water, all that stuff. Enjoy your Canada Day, and congratulations on getting the tough coaching gig. 
Thank you very much, man. Have a great day. You too. There he is, the Predator, Patrick Cote, back at UFC 90 in Chicago, Illinois. It was 2008. I was actually on my honeymoon. I was in Israel. I remember I was flying back home from Israel. I was on a 10 or so day honeymoon, and uh, that was a very rare time in the UFC where they had two shows back to back. It was UFC 89 the weekend before. Uh, Chris Lieben fought against Michael Bisping in Birmingham, Birmingham, England. And then the following week, it was Patrick Cote versus Anderson Silva. And it was very rare that you'd have two straight weeks of, of UFC action. And, uh, and I missed them. And I remember I was in the airport. And then uh, I think the was, it, was the fight starting? I remember coming uh, landing in, in New York early morning on a Sunday morning and reading about what happened to Patrick Cote. And it was a big deal being a Montrealer, getting the title shot, all that stuff. And uh, now here we are, what, five years later almost. I can't believe I've been married for five years. But really, five years since UFC 90 uh, and and uh, Patrick Cote offering some insight. It, it's, it's interesting how when you ask people what kind of advice would you give to someone fighting Anderson Silva, they all come up with the same thing about the intimidation, about, you know, not playing into his hand and all that stuff. And then it, it's a lot more easier said than done. And I feel like it's so interesting hearing the fighters talk about this fight because everyone praises Weidman and everyone knows what he can do and everyone knows how special he is. But it, it almost feels like Anderson is not getting the respect that he deserves. It's a fascinating thing because going into Anderson Silva fights, he sometimes gets too much respect. I mean, if that's even possible, considering his body of work. But in this fight, when you hear people like George St. Pierre, and of course he's a little biased, he trains with Ant- with Chris Weidman. Uh, maybe he's even more than a little biased. But you hear, you know, you hear some fighters talking about Chris and talking about this fight and what he will do to Anderson. It's amazing. A lot of the guys who have trained with Chris will obviously vouch for him. But then you see some guys who are, you know, completely unbiased. I would think. I mean, look at someone like Tim Kennedy. He trained with him at one time, but he has no real reason to pick. Uh, Chris Weidman, and yet it's picking Chris, and a lot of them think that he can finish Anderson Silva. This is Anderson Silva, who has the record for most consecutive wins, title defenses, a true killer. I mean, look what he did to Stefan Bonner. Stefan Bonner was punching him in the face. He was letting him punch him in the face, and he wasn't doing anything. He was just standing there. And then he finished it when he wanted to finish it. I cannot wait. I think it's going to be a fascinating event, and what's so great about it is the intrigue. The intrigue, if you're, if you're on the fence and you're thinking, uh, should I buy this or not? It's just, you have, to, you have to invest your time because this might be when he finally loses in the UFC. This might be it. The intrigue is what's so interesting about all of this. And it goes down Saturday in Las Vegas and a big part of who Anderson Silva is, is our guest at this time. So honored to have him back on the show. Sensei Steven Seagal on the show right now. Uh, Steven, how are you? Good, brother. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, a pleasure, as always, to have you on the show. So it's obviously a big week uh, for you and your good friend, Anderson Silva. And I was just noting how a lot of people don't seem to be giving Anderson a lot of respect going into this fight. They think Chris could be the guy to dethrone him. What do you make of this talk? Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> where I come from, we always say talk is cheap. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the proof is in, you know, how it goes uh, in the fight. I mean, if y'all want my opinion, and I I assume the reason why you called is because you want my opinion. Yes. My opinion is that this 
this young gentleman is, uh, from what I've heard, a real nice young man. Um, and I can see he's uh, very good on the ground. He's got great grappling skills, great takedowns, uh, great guillotine, great, uh, you know, arm triangles, stuff like that. Very good. And that's, you know, kind of what I can say about him. I think he's very strong and good at all that stuff. I think he's an offensive fighter. And I think that, you know, Anderson is a better defensive fighter, which automatically puts him at a little bit of a disadvantage in some ways. I think Anderson, you know, won't go on his knees, so a lot of that stuff is not going to be easy for him to get. And he's very dangerous on his back, whether anyone is smart enough to realize that or not. He is very dangerous on his back. People think, yeah, man, I get on top of Anderson, and, you know, look what happens when they do. Uh, you know, all that being said, I believe that Anderson is a little bit faster. I believe that he has a lot more experience. I think that he has better timing. I think that he's a better striker, and I think he's a better kicker. I think he has better kicks and better strikes. So, you know, people can say what they want to say, and, you know, they, hey, in this world, man, anything can happen, mm. you know? But I kind of feel like, you know, on paper, Anderson has the advantage, and for me, in the real world, he has the advantage. So th- those are my thoughts. Do you feel as though this will be Anderson's toughest test in the UFC? I don't think so. I think he's had some pretty damn tough stuff, you know. Uh, you know, he's got five rounds to knock him out, and that's what I'm hoping for is a knockout. Hope Anderson will knock him out. Um, and that's no offense to this young gentleman. I just, you know, that's my guy, and that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, and I think that, you know, <laughs> Anderson's had some pretty, you know, some pretty tough times. Uh, you know, it was not a cakewalk with Chelsea when he was injured, you know, badly. Right. <clears throat> that that was a real tough time. I don't think, you know, it gets too much tougher than that. So uh, do I think it'll be the toughest? No, but I think this kid's a great kid, great fighter, very strong, great great ground game, wonderful fighter, you know, wonderful young man. Uh, some have called Chris kind of this great white hope, uh, this great white hype, if you will, uh, people trying to, to, to will well, him to beat him. And, and, and I hope, mean, you, you view it that way? To be honest with you, that, that, I, forgive me for saying this because Spending so much time in Detroit and Louisiana, you know, we don't look at color and great white, great black. Why we got to talk about color? I mean, he's just he's just a great young man coming up. That's a great fighter with great potential. And you know, I don't think we need to be hoping for anything. Let's let's hope the best man wins. That's the way I look at it. Do you feel as though Anderson is being disrespected? Someone who knows what he is all about, his body of work, it, does it bother you as one of his trainers to, to see people pick against him so easily? I mean, you know, we're living in a very, very... This is a strange pond to swim in. Hmm. It's a very, very, very strange pond to swim in. There's a lot of people who have no experience in the martial arts who are talking like they've been doing it for 50 years and talking as if they're masters. There's a lot of people who make up shit and lie through their teeth. There's a lot of people who have huge egos and, you know, huge mouth, love to talk and, you know, say a lot of stuff. And then there's, there's people who are, you know, really highly accredited people 
who have been in the martial arts a long, long time, who certainly, you know, we want to hear from them. They couch their opinions with respect, which I always try to do. And, you know, everybody wants to hear what they have to say. So we're, we're swimming in a pond where there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And what I try to do is tune into the good and stay around the good and, you know, uh, hope that the UFC, you know, more and more as time goes on, you know, gets uh, more and more people that are, you know, uh, polite and uh, qualified, you know, to, to, to give their opinions. I mean, everyone has the, the right to their opinion no matter who they are, but there are certain people that everyone, you know, feels that, boy, I really want to listen to this guy because <clears throat> he has a past that, that I respect. You know, one, obviously I follow you very closely, and I was concerned because I see you all over the place, and we'll get to that in a second, but you're traveling a lot these days. How much time have you been able to devote to Anderson getting ready for this fight? No, to be honest with you, I've been gone a lot. I'm uh, flying to see him in the next few days, and oh. uh, yeah, uh, hoping, hoping that, uh, you know, that's going to be very fruitful. Uh, will you be there in Las Vegas for this fight? Yes, I will. Yes, I will. W when will you get there? When? How much time will you have with him prior to the fight? Well, I'm hoping to have a few days, two, three days. Uh, so you haven't had a chance to talk to him at all as he prepared for this fight? No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. We've, we've yeah, we've, you know, been talking and, uh, you know, we plan to spend a few days together working on... Uh, strategies that we have if your schedule was a little lighter do you think you have would have d devoted a little more time to him and in, in this camp in this preparation i mean you know anderson has a lot of great teachers and a lot of great coaches <clears throat> and um you know i give him as much time as i possibly can and but i i really have faith in him and i think he's going to do well i think he's a great fighter and i think uh anybody out there really can say what they want, but we can't take away from him what he's done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his body of work is, is unbelievable, and that's why I was surprised that so many people were picking against him. I had Chris Weidman's uh, longtime coach, Ray Longo, on the show earlier, and I asked him about your influence on Anderson Silva, and he said, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm worried about a 0 as far as your influence on Anderson. Is that disrespectful? I mean, I don't know this individual. I don't know who he is. Does this guy have a background in the martial arts? Has he been fighting uh, his whole life? Is he? I, I don't know who he is. I never heard of him. I, I don't know. He can call. Did we lose him? Oh, I really don't care. Okay, I thought we lost I, you there I for a second. I, don't, I never heard of this guy. I don't know him. Maybe he's a great guy. Maybe he's not. I don't know. Now, if Anderson beats Chris, would you like to finally see him fight in one of these super fights, John Jones, GSP? We've been talking about this for what seems like forever. Sensei? Oh, did we lose you? You're back. No, I'm here. Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Uh, John Jones, GSP, any interest in that after this fight? Hello. Can you hear me? I hear you perfectly. Do you hear me? I do hear you now. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't hope for that at all. Neither one. No, <laughs> I don't. Why not? 
I think, uh, you know, I, I told you, I think John Jones is, you know, walking around, you know, at 230, you know. Mm. I think he's a heavyweight, and I think Anderson is just, you know, considerably smaller than him. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of uh, disadvantage there. He's going to feel pressure, though. I feel like they're going to try to put pressure on him to take this fight, and it won't be fair. Well, that's kind of my humble opinion. <laughs> yeah. You will advise him not to do it. That's my advice, yeah. That's but, my advice. By the way, I noticed lately that you have a goatee. Why did you switch things up? I don't know. I'm just, uh, people asked me to grow one for the movie and just didn't shave it yet. Which movie? Uh, what was the name of that movie we did in New Mexico? Uh, Force of Execution. You just, t- you just filmed it now? Yeah. I think it looks great. I think it makes you look a little more menacing, a little less, um, <laughs> a little less uh, approachable, but that's part of your charm, right? Well, I don't know about that. I don't really think too much about the way I look. Now, were you aware... You were in Russia recently, right? Yes, sir. There was a, a clip of you dancing. Are you aware right. of this? That has become a, a viral sensation. I mean, it, it's been everywhere, and we're playing some of it right now. It's just unbelievable, this clip. I watched it myself maybe 20 times. Can you tell us what exactly is going on in this clip? What is this dancing all about? In the Caucasus, you have, uh, you know, English Shetia, you have Chechnya, you have uh, uh, North Ossetia, you have all these different uh, people. Their dance, you know, the Chechens, these people, that is a, a war dance. You know, this is for warriors. And uh, so, you know, I don't know anything about how to do it or anything, but out of respect to my host, you know, uh, I just tried to step up for a minute. And, you know, a lot of different cultures around the world, you try to, you know, uh, respect their culture. And it's that simple. And you should know a little bit about that. Absolutely. Uh, so that was the first time that you had ever done that before? Because it seemed like you knew what you yeah. were doing. No, that is the first time, sir. And did you know it became such a, a viral sensation back home in the United States? No, this is the first time hearing that. But then again, it's... Not very germane to what I think or care about right now. What do you mean? <laughs> I, I could care less if it's been viral. I could care less. Why do you think people are so interested in everything that you do, though? I have no idea. I'm just a simple country boy, man. Nothing, you, nothing so much. Do you feel like you're more popular now than you ever were back in your, you know, your, your, your I guess you could say when you were younger doing a lot more films? I have no idea. You don't get that a sense of whether or not you are more or less popular? I have no idea. Can I ask you about uh, the trip recently with some of the, the U.S. politicians that came over that asked for your help to open doors in Russia? Were you honored that they would ask you for that? I was. What exactly happened? What did you do for them? Um, well, I'm going to terminate this interview in a second, and I'm going to ask you to call me later uh, so we can talk off the record, but um, I, I basically uh, have been someone that's devoted a lot of time to anti-terrorism, and um, we felt that uh, a lot of the, the people uh, in Russia were some of the world's leading experts on a specific kind of terrorism, and after 
the Boston uh, incident, we were also uh, made aware of the fact that these folks tried to warn us. And uh, I, you know, was approached by one of my dear friends in Congress, and he said, I know you're close friends with um, Dmitry Lugosin, who is the vice uh, prime minister, and you know a lot of the folks over there. Do you think you could take us over there and get us meetings with the folks in Fezban, the folks in Spetsnats, and uh, Dmitry Lugosin? I said, yeah, I think I can do that. And so we were devoting that trip to uh, trying to, you know, gleam information and exchange uh, ideas and intelligence on anti-terrorism. They had also asked me, Congress, uh, if I could get them into Chechnya. You know, uh, I went down there and visited, uh, you know, Ramzan, and hence you saw some of the film on my visit there. And uh, I think most of it went well. And uh, some of it was uh, very political and very difficult. But um, we did the best we could. So it was successful? I think so. Okay. Why do you want to terminate the interview so so quickly? What do you mean so quickly? This is the longest interview I've ever done. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for taking up your time. I, I will ask you one final question, and then I'll let you go, and we appreciate it very much. On Saturday night, how do you see Anderson Silva defeating Chris Wyman? Do you think he finishes him? Do you think he submits him, knocks him out? What do you foresee? Well, I mean, I'm not uh, a soothsayer or anything like that. Um, I'm kind of hoping and seeing a knockout in the third round. That's what I'm hoping for, but we'll see. I mean, they're both great fighters. They both deserve a lot of respect. And I know you respect them both. Uh, and, um, you know, like I said, you know, in that pond, there's a lot of people who don't respect anybody and constantly talking, uh, you know, whether they know what they're talking about or not. But you and I have our opinions, and they're just our opinions, brother. Mm. All right. <laughs> they're just our opinions. A pleasure, as always. Looking forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. Good luck to you and the team over there at UFC 162. Thank you, brother. Thank you for everything. There he is. Uh, Sensei Steven Seagal stopping by, gracing us with his presence. Very interesting insight on, uh, on Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman, the fight that is going down this Saturday. Very interesting that he has had not a lot of time to train with uh, with one Anderson Silva because I'm wondering if that is something we must factor when we think about this fight now. He has had uh, he he's been absent from his training camp. Says that he will be there in the days leading up to the fight, but I, I'm curious if that will play a part in Chris Weidman winning this fight. Maybe Ray Longo knew something that we didn't. By the way, when he said terminate in the way that he said it, it made me very nervous. Most people don't terminate interviews the way he said it with the, the conviction that he said it was very intimidating. Do you agree, Mr. New York Rick? Oh, <laughs> uh, New York Rick is on the phone. Um, that's just me. That was probably the most intimidating moment of my life. Uh, but we appreciate him stopping by very much. Thank you very much to uh, the Honorable Sensei Sagal, and uh, we look forward to his presence being there at uh, UFC 162. And it's going to be interesting to see what he can uh, implement in just a few days leading up to the fight. Uh, a few days is not that much time for one of the biggest fights of Anderson Silva's life, career. And he only has a few days to really implement the game plan. Uh, I, I question whether or not 
there's enough time to do that. All right, let's go to the phone lines. We got a few questions, comments. Um, <laughs> uh, and then we will take some of your questions via the magic of Twitter and via the magic of the internet. Twitter is on the internet, but I mean on our website on MMAfighting.com if you are watching this live. Let us first go to uh, Kristen on line number one, who is a, uh, a very lovely lady, uh, a good friend of mine, Kristen Brown on the, on the phone. Kristen, how are you? I'm great, Ariel. How are you? I'm great. So, Kristen, you, uh, you, uh, you sent me an email last week talking about a nonprofit organization that you were, you were kind of getting off the ground, seminar coming up. Tell us all about what you're doing. It's, it's for an amazing cause. Cause You have a great slogan. The website, of course, www.livetofight.org. Tell us about this, this, uh, this project that you're dealing with. Thank you so much. First, thank you for having me on. Um, I recently started a nonprofit organization. It's to raise money for people in the martial arts and mixed martial arts community who are suffering from life-threatening illnesses. It's called uh, Live to Fight, and I'm really, really excited. Um, I have some great people who are working with me. I have um, Chris Weidman. You've been talking about him all day. Mm. He's one of my executive directors. I also have Octavia Bourdain, who's just amazing. Uh, and another person I have is Jeff Nader. And then I have um, some really great, um, I have a lawyer who's working with me and an accountant. And Jason Perez, who is actually the manager of Henzo's, he's the one who's doing all of the great artwork that I have. Um, but yeah, we're just getting off the ground. And this week is kind of like our inaugural web launch. Okay. And, and what, what are you... You know, what, what is, what is LiveToFight.org all about? What are you trying to tell people about? What are you trying to educate the public on? What's the message here? Okay. Um, well, I'm a cancer survivor myself, and I'm very, very passionate about MMA. It's like, you know, one of my loves, obsessed with BJJ MMA. Um, many years ago, I had Hopkins disease, and about, uh, let's see, four months ago, I had a double mastectomy for breast cancer, um, and that really, really changed my life um, I'm on a website, you know, the underground, MMA.tv. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like a dysfunctional family, um, but they really, really came out with so much support that it just overwhelms me. And I saw so many people who were sick in this community, like so many fighters, um, people who train, so many fans and, and their family members, and who are suffering from cancer and other diseases. And I realized there's no sort of, there's no support. There's no organization that, that helps people in our community. And we are such a tight, you know, close-knit community. So, um, you know, I really have two inspirations for the organization. My, a friend of mine who just passed away, he was a professional fighter, uh, Reggie Cardiel, and my jiu-jitsu teacher's son just got diagnosed with, um, with uh, pediatric cancer. So what I want to do is raise money for, you know, whether it's fighters or people who train, their family members, but people in our community who are sick. And the way I'm going to do that is by doing um, probably about 10 seminars a year. Um, the first one I have is at September 29th. It's at Henzo Gracie's. And it's um, we're not really sure who's teaching yet, but I'm, you know, Chris is probably going to be there and hoping to get a really, um, some really great instructors. I'm also going to be doing an MMA fashion show, which I'm excited about. So, I think it'd be awesome to have a lot of like really cool brands and like key companies and have a lot of fighters model that and, and have them sponsor Live to Fight. Um, it's basically just trying to have our own community help our own community. 
That's an amazing cause, and uh, and and obviously, as someone who is part of the community and the way you're tying it all together, I think you're doing an amazing thing. So the first seminar is September 29th in uh, in New York, obviously at at Henzo's here, just a few blocks away from where we do this show. What if you don't yeah. live in New York? How can oh, you help? Well, well, you can help because uh, I have my website, which is going up tomorrow. It's uh, org. We're going to be selling T-shirts. Um, and I'm actually, I'm going to go national. I'm starting East Coast, but I'm going to go national. I'm hoping to do seminars throughout the country. Um, we're going to be taking donations on the website and selling T-shirts. Um, you know, it's just, I'm hoping to make this huge. I also am going to be doing something called um, MMA Make-A-Wish, which is, you know, kind of like a play on the Make-A-Wish Foundation. But, um, you know, people send their stories in, and if you want to go meet a fighter or if you want to go to a fight, you're going to live to fight is going to try to make your MMA make a wish come true. Wow. Uh, I just, yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I just, I'm, I'm very, when I came up with this idea, like the first person that I thought of was Chris Weidman because he is just one of the nicest people that I've met in this industry. And, you know, I thought maybe he would want to do a seminar, but it was his idea to become part of the organization. Um, and, you know, he's training for the biggest fight of his life, and yet he's he's such a, you know, humble, down-to-earth person. And I'm so excited for this Saturday for him. He's going to have my logo on his banner. Wow. It's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. So. That's great. So well, it's a good time to launch all of this. Yes. What is your thoughts on the fight? Who do you think is going to win? <laughs> oh, now you're turning the tables on me. <laughs> well, I, I haven't... I haven't talked to my uh, my resident expert, um, New York Wanabet UFC, uh, so okay. I have to I have to speak to him first to give me some advice on the fight. I, I do want to say that of course a lot of people uh, accuse me of being or driving the Chris Weidman bandwagon, which I think is uh, highly disrespectful and insulting. I, I obviously have had him on the show many times. We both live in New York, and I do think he is a great guy and a great fighter. I do think it is very surprising to see how many people are discounting uh, Anderson Silva, discrediting all that he's he has done and, and just kind of dismissing him so easily. I don't think it will be an easy... If Chris Weidman wins this fight, I don't think it will be easy. I, I don't know if he'll be able to finish Anderson Silva. He'll have to win via decision. Um, on the flip side, I think Anderson Silva can finish Chris Weidman given the right kind of circumstances for Anderson. Um, so I, I'm surprised at how uh, how many people, how many smart people are picking uh, Chris Weidman, and, and I don't agree that he'll be able to finish him. He, he might very well win, but I don't know about the finish. See, I disagree with you. I, I see him finishing and not really going for doing the decision. Wow, okay. Think, yeah, a lot of fans actually don't, you know, they don't know too much about him and the fights that they've seen. They've seen all the short-notice fights. Yep. You know, I've been watching him since the Ring of Combat, and people are talking about his ring rust. You know, when he, when he fought Uriah, um, Uriah Hall, he was out, I guess, for a year before that with a broken hand, and that was his first fight back. Um, so I, I think that Chris can do it. I think he can finish it on the ground. I don't know about the stand-up, but I think if he closes the distance, I'm thinking, I'm predicting a Darce choke. Whoa. Yeah. That would be insane. What a way to uh, to slay the dragon. And, of course, he has had some amazing submissions. You mentioned the, the short-notice fights. Those uh, those two performances, Alessio Sakara, Damian Maia, on the biggest of stages, 
were probably his least impressive performances. But again, very, very, very short notice. You look at his other performances, all finishes, all in spectacular fashion. Like I said, it's the most uh, highly anticipated fight, at least for me, of 2013 thus far. It's so intriguing. You have to watch it because there's that intrigue. There's that possibility that Chris may defeat him. So um, I can't wait for it. And I'm very happy to hear that he is supporting uh, your cause and will have the logo on on his banner and all that good stuff. So so the website is uh, livetofight.org. It, it launches tomorrow morning. And that's how people can read more about it, right? Yes, you can get, and you can go on Twitter. It's at Live to Fight Inc. Um, my Facebook, Live to Fight Inc. And I'm really, really hoping this. You know, I'd also love this to help get New York, um, you know, MMA legal in New York. I'm a New Yorker. I want to see MMA here, so I'm hoping this can have some big publicity and some positive publicity for, you know, the fighters and MMA here. So, you know, it's not 100% altruistic. I want to see a fight at the Garden. Mm. So do <laughs> yeah. I. So do I, my friend. <laughs> Uh, continued success to you. I wish you the best of luck with this. Before the uh, the seminar, we'll have you back on to uh, to plug it one more time. It's September 29th in New York, so you have a bit of time there. Good luck with this project, and uh, good luck to you and the rest of everyone who is cheering for, for Chris this weekend. Oh, thank you so much, Ariel. All right. Bye-bye. There she is, my good friend, uh, Kristen Brown, livetofight.org. You can check it out tomorrow uh, when it hits the World Wide Web. A very, very good cause, and we, we just launched uh, Helwani Knows Round 2 today, and all proceeds of those shirt sales go to the Colorectal Cancer Association of Canada, the CCAC. They have a Twitter as well, Colon Canada. Uh, there you can see one. If, if you can uh, get the wide shot there, you've got the blue and orange. The next colors, we also have a black and pink. We also have a black and silver, the classic Bo Jackson one. And then perhaps my favorite one, a gray and plaid version. And they're, they're on MMAWarehouse.com right now. And... Um, I was told that they're selling rather quickly. They're very limited limited edition. There's only there's a very few amount. I'll tell you that. I mean, the last ones they sold in like 3 days. So I made a little more this time and this is probably it. I'm not in the t-shirt business. All the proceeds like I said go to charity and uh, switched up the colors a little bit. So if you want one, mmawarehouse.com is where you can get them. And uh I know some have complained about the the the, the shipping costs especially international. There's nothing I can do. I mean, I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not in the t-shirt business. I'm not going to sit in my garage and, and start shipping out t-shirts. So MMA Warehouse, in my opinion, the most trusted online store linked up with them. And uh, there's nothing I can do about that. So I apologize. And I truly, truly, truly appreciate anyone who goes out and, and buys the shirts. And if you do buy a shirt, please send me a picture. And uh, I, I would love to gather all of them and make some kind of collage and uh, put it up somewhere. I think that would be awesome. I got a lot of good ones uh, the first time the shirts came out, and now hopefully we'll get a lot more this time and sell them out in one day. Wouldn't that be nice? So MMAWarehouse.com, search for my name, just write Helwani at the top, Helwani No Shirts. Get them while you can. Get them while they are hot, my friends. Okay, we got one more, um, one more call, and then we'll go to your questions. We've got uh, Dave all the way in Newfoundland on this Canada Day. How about that? Dave, are you there? I am, sir. Thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate it a lot. Happy Canada Day. Happy Canada Day to you, too. I'm actually going to be going to your native Montreal uh, in a couple of weeks. Oh, for what? Yeah, my favorite. i got really good friends that live there, so, uh, so yeah. All right. What's on yeah. your mind? Uh, well, I just wanted to uh, speak with regards to Anderson's wrestling and uh, takedown defense, and uh, I just want to raise a point. I think that there's way too much stock 
putting the first Anderson and Chael fight mm. uh, as far as takedown defense goes. <clears throat> I think it, I, it doesn't seem to get talked a lot about, but his ribs, I can't remember, I believe it broke, either broken or injured any which way in that fight, and I think he was a lot more hurt than what he's given credit for. And also uh, the fact that Chael was on steroids, I think, also adds to that. And uh, I, I just think that his defense is a hell of a lot better than what everyone thinks. And um, I remember when, when they came to fight Chael the second time, I made this point to New York Rick a little earlier, that uh, in the first round he came out, he got taken down, not, not much damage done at all. And when he went to the corner for the second round, then to the second round, and I'm paraphrasing, and I, it's pretty close to word for word because I watched it a couple times, but his corner said, okay, you're, you're, you're warmed up. You ready to start the fight? Okay. When he comes in, you have to hit him with the knee. Hmm. Faint more, defend the takedown. And then when he came out in the second round, it was either two or three times, Chael uh, tried to get the takedown in. And if you just go back and watch Anderson's technique and how he had it, Chael tried to take him down, and he couldn't take him down. And I feel like uh, when Anderson was ready, he put the fight away. I'm a little biased. He's my hero in life, but I feel as though there's way too much stock for his takedown defense there. And uh, I see him, if things go as they should, uh, just rolling through Weidman. Really? Rolling uh, through? Well, I just, uh, yeah, that, that's where I stand. Uh, again, I am a little biased. Sure, I, sure. I, uh, well, I am, I'm a huge, you know, he is my hero. I tweeted uh, Rick a picture of, uh, you oh. know, my living room just to sort of give an idea of what's going on here. But uh, well, What is yeah, going on there? Do you, do you have like a shrine with all his pictures on the wall or something? Is it scary? Well, that, it's, it's, just, <laughs> it's just a living room, a nice shot of uh, him in the... Uh, the Vitor kick. Oh, yes, the famous Vitor kick, which my friend James Law took, which uh, I don't believe he gets enough credit for. But you know what's interesting? Um, if you watch the documentary Like Water, I'm sure you've seen it, right? I've twice. How about my cameo in it? It was great, what? Right? Of course. Yeah, it was great. Um, you obviously see how injured he was. It, it wasn't something, I mean, how could they have known how it would all play out and everything like that? Uh, he, he was definitely injured, and you see how the, the second fight went against Chael. I mean, the first round was very much like the uh, the first fight, although I almost feel like he almost let him take him down in the first round. It, it just Listen, ha- it happened Mike so easily. Mike Goldberg said that same thing. Yeah. Rogan always calls him on him, but a part of me com- totally thinks that way. I mean, the start of that fight, Anderson uncharacteristically took to the center of the octagon and started launching immediately. Mm. And as you know, that's not how he does. He, he comes in, he'll feel it out you know, gauge the whole distance and timing thing like he does, and, and then start up. And when Chael went to take him down, it was just, it was very controlled. He was very controlled going to the ground, I feel. And at one point, because I was there live, I made it a point to make that my first UFC event ever. Mm. Uh, to go. I was so sure. I knew he was going to beat him down this time. And I remember at one point watching live that Anderson was pointing to the back of his head. And I remember thinking, oh no, Chael's hit him in the back of the head. I mean, and no one's stopping it. But when I came home and watched the fight, uh, he's pointing at his head saying, this is nothing. This is nothing. And then, again, go back to what I mentioned about what was said in the second round. They just stated, are you ready? Okay, let, let's go. Defend the takedown. So you and he did it and put him away. And, and that's, so you're not uh, again, more nervous for this fight? You're, mar- you're not more concerned for this fight than you were previous fights? This ain't no Don't thing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, you're right. I, I don't want to mislead you. I definitely think Weinman's a wild man. He looks very strong and that sort of thing. But again, when I'm watching his highlight reel, I, I mean, I, not, no disrespect to all the fighters he's fought, but it's just not the, the competition. I just don't think it's Randerson's ass. 
Uh, even when Mark Nunez was, uh, you know, vying for that title shot, I didn't even think that he was necessarily ready to get in there with Anderson. And I think a lot of Weidman's name, of course, you know, his name really blew up when he when he had that fight with Nunez. So again, it's just my take. Will you be there in Las Vegas? Point there. I'm, it's it's it actually breaks my heart. It rips my heart out. I, I can't go. I had planned to go, and, and actually, my brother and his friends and friends of mine are going. Wow! But uh, I'm unable to more commitments. So oh. it's you know, and I'm f- bothered by it. But. Yeah, but you'll watch it at home. It's a great seat, and uh, you get great in- insight on television. Final thing: uh, Are you concerned? When you hear Sensei Segal say that he has not talked to him that much, that he hasn't been there and he'll only have a couple of days with him, do you think that will play a part in this fight? I've honestly, I have considered that. Uh, it worries me a little bit, but I, honestly, I completely lost sight of that whole thing with him uh, when you showed him a, the, the clip of him dancing. Yes. Um, yeah, I, 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 all I can think about now is you know seeing him at, at Anderson's after party. <laughs> I think that's going to be pretty interesting. So, I, I, you know, I, I was. I did think about him, you know, not talking to Anderson and it worrying me, but yeah. all I think about now is, is him dancing at Anderson's after party. So There's a great clip of him right. training with, uh, with Fei Zhao, and he's doing that thing. I wish I could do it. I'm trying to do it right now. Obviously, I'm not as skilled. But, um, yeah, he does the same kind of thing. This time he incorporated it into a dance, which just shows his versatility and how skilled he is as it's sort of even though he doesn't know what he's doing in that particular dance that country he is able to adapt to the situation like water exactly. as uh, Bruce no, Lee, Bruce Lee I, once I, said Absolutely yeah no I was I was blown by away by that too I, I yeah. cannot believe that his first time he's done that there's just no way uh, amazing Yeah anyway uh thank you so much my friend thank you for calling and good luck to uh to the Anderson Silva fans, I said good luck to the Kristen, uh, to Kristen and the uh, the Weidman fans a couple of moments ago. Now the Anderson Silva fans, good to get the the two sides here. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. All right, there's my man from Newfoundland stopping by. How about that, Dave in Newfoundland? New York, Rick, are you there? I'm here. Oh, here you are. Were you as scared as I was when uh, when he said terminate? Yes. <laughs> um. That was yeah. a little intimidating. Has he called back or something? He said he needed me to call him off the record. I'm going to avoid that phone call. What do you think? Why do you think he was no, so upset all of a sudden? I think I, I think I reeled him back in, right? Yeah, you definitely did. But uh, We ended on a good note. It's great. I mean, he just can't get out of that mindset. He's, yeah. he's a Terminator, so he's just like, terminate. He's licensed to kill. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, that, was that a Seagal movie? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um... How's uh, UFC fit going? I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if people can see it in my face. Yeah, I could see it. I feel. Why don't you go for shirt? Why not? Mm, we're no, not there yet. You're not there. We're yet, almost right. there. We're almost there. All right, all right. Um, once I got Dolce's abs, which is oh. a while away. Dolce's abs are on a whole other level. Yeah, I don't know if you can do uh, that. In tremendous shape. Um, but I, I, as I've been saying every week, and I, and it improves every week. I feel great. Um, the foods I'm eating are fantastic, and. Um, the exercises have actually changed. After the first three weeks, I had to do a different set of exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's more involved with uh, plyometrics, so it's more like explosion and like jumping and getting off the ground. Um, so as you know, it kind of plays into like the basketball that I've already been playing. It's it's actually more fun. The workouts have become more fun for me. Um, that mil- that will probably vary by person, but in my um, experience, I've had more fun with the the second set of exercises, which is week four through six now what's tougher the exercises or the diet by far the diet really the exercises i can get through them 
Um, you know, I, I tend to do them late at night just because of the schedule I'm on and my girlfriend does them with me. Mm. So um, sometimes I don't want to do them, but I force myself to do them. And at the end of it, I always feel great because, you know, exercise makes you feel that way. Um, so I can push through those, but it's definitely harder to not um, eat the things I want to eat, uh, especially when I'm like out and there's not alternatives. Like I was out in Long Island visiting my mom um, this weekend and I ended up, instead of going out to dinner with her, I ended up going to the supermarket, buying a grill, uh, buying chicken wow. breasts, grilling them up at her house um, with some mushrooms and, uh, and put a little bit of soy sauce on it instead of going out to dinner like I normally would. So you're really dedicated to this. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, I, still, I saw one Vine, one six-second clip, which, by the way, now you got to do it on Instagram. You get 15 seconds, so hopefully we get that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. But uh, I, I just don't feel like I'm seeing enough. You know, it all sounds good. It's kind of like Chris Lieben saying best shape of his life, right? I mean, you want to believe it, but we've heard this before. Not from me. Not from you, but it's just, it's common. Like, what are you going to say? I'm struggling? I Can could. I just see something? Well, what are we at right now? This is... I just started week five. Out of? Out of 12. Just started week five. I think around week six or heading into seven, something like that. We need to get together and have a little video session and, and really put something together here because I feel you like... You know what? I'll do that. You'll do it? Let's, do a, let's do a real like video. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, I think it'd be fun. So you're down. You're not going to shy away. No, I'm into it. All right. Uh, now, I have another bone to pick with you. Um, What's up? A lot of people were very into this idea of you building yourself back up, you working sure. up the ladder as far as picking goes. You know, uh, Kristen was asking me my take on Weidman Silva. I had no take, really, because I don't have that insight anymore. I haven't talked to Wanabet yet, the champion <laughs> of the, uh, the RPI. And uh, you seemed down with it. In fact, I got a lot of people on Twitter saying this was such a great idea, working yourself back up, yet you didn't do anything. You didn't bet on Bellator. You didn't bet on RFA. You didn't bet on War. You didn't bet on anything. So, war? So war, is this, I didn't even see this, the lines for. Let me ask you something. Is this like when someone, like I remember when like, uh, you know, baseball players, when they get sent down and they refuse to be sent down, or Allen Iverson when he didn't want to sign with the D-League. Is this your way of saying thanks but no thanks and you don't want to be the, the, the better picker guy anymore? No, 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 no. Well, what is this? It's slap in the face. You had two war, weeks. Here, War, I'll admit, I didn't even look at the lines. I wasn't even interested. Um, Bellator... There was only one line I was interested in, which was... No, actually, there were two. There was War Machine's line, because he was like a two-to-one favorite. Um, and I just thought, it's possible that he'd be upset because of the layoff. But I ended up not wanting to pull the trigger on that. And that one turned out to be right. Um, but the other one I was interested in was I was fading Babalu, because he's pretty much done at this point in his career. And now he's literally done at this point in his career. Mm -hmm. um, but I just didn't, I didn't sack up and do it. Um, so you just did nothing. Yeah. I mean, well, you, I'm not going to bet on bad lines. Um, if but I you don't want, I'm longer... not going to take King Mo at what was it seven to one or something like that um, for no reason. But you realize the longer you delay this, the longer you delay your entry back into the. Uh, I mean, that's the how big it's going to have to be. I gotta, I gotta pick and choose properly. Well, I, gotta, well, I gotta be. You selective. got anything? Anything you're thinking about? Anything you got your eye uh, on? I think Invicta's coming up, so that that oh, that, that card usually has closer fights. Whereas you know, Bellator is kind of like when they have these cards. Some sometimes they're showcasing people. Um, Invicta usually is pretty good for betting, 
Yeah. Um, so there there might be something for there. That's I'm, next sure, I'm almost sure there will be something there. Next I'll... weekend, uh, Chris Cyborg versus Marlus Kunin, July 13th. Um, yeah, I've got, I got him in two weeks. You know, I saw nothing. I checked the Twitter from here, you know. I'm not going to bet this... on uh, on Bobby Lashley. Why not? Um, I'll wait. Just <laughs> wait, wait until the Invicta lines right, come right, out, right, and, right. and then um, we'll And by the way, it's my wagon. discretion. Once I feel like, you know, it's kind of like the skipper, you know. The guy does this thing in AAA. There's no... Calling me back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's whenever I feel like you're ready. Cool. Um, but this fight is so big that I am curious to hear. Do you think Weidman has a chance? I think Weidman does have a chance, but I think Dave actually brought up like points similar to what I'm thinking, which is um, people are are so enamored by the idea of Anderson Silver losing that they tend to build up the contenders um, to a point that they're not actually at. And I think Chris Weidman is a fantastic fighter and one of the biggest threats to Anderson that exists. But I don't think he's as big a threat um, as some people are making it out to be. And I think Anderson Silver wins. And it, and I see him winning early if I see him winning. Mm. So you, you see him actually finishing? I think that Weidman... if I see him winning, does this mean you well, see him I, winning? Well, no, I do see a chance for Weidman to win. But you got to pick someone. But I'm, but no, no, no. I make no mistake about it. I'm picking Anderson and I'm picking him early. Weidman's first, your guy. First two rounds. I, look, I'm rooting for Weidman. Oh, you Can't are. Can't root against New York. I would love for Weidman to win. Yeah. That's just not how I see the the fight playing out objectively. Um, Weidman's double leg. He he doesn't have that explosive double leg where he just powers through. Chael will throw a few punches and then take five punches to the face powering through a double leg um to get you to the ground whereas weidman he's a little more cautious um he's a he's a good chain wrestler he's a good wrestler overall but he doesn't have that i'm gonna take you down no matter what balls to the wall um power double and to get inside on anderson silva and take him down the way he's taking opponents down typically is not going to be very easy it's going to be very tough and anderson silva's takedown defense has been criminally underrated um, due to the cha- the first Chael Sonnen fight, which is a point that Dave um, brought up. You know, he's, he's he's considered like a, a bad, uh, he's considered to have bad takedown defense. He has average to above average takedown defense. Um, his reflexes are very good, and he's able to, sure, when people grab him by both his legs and dump him, he can't uh, handle that as well as somebody like a BJ Penn who has otherworldly takedown defense, but it's definitely serviceable and adequate. And I think that that'll be enough against Weidman, who doesn't pose as big a threat on the feet as people are, are saying he will. In case you were doubting yourself in your analysis, analysis which I thought was pretty good, uh, my mother has texted me that she agrees with, with your take on the fight. Well, that says it all, doesn't it? Although, uh, over the past week, I was on vacation with my mother. It was her birthday, so I wish her a happy birthday uh, over the air here. She has been banging the, the Bronx drum. She, she, oh, really, does right. think, she really does think uh, Charles Oliveira, for some reason, is going to defeat Frankie Edgar. Oh, man, Do you agree with that one? I don't agree, but okay. I would love to see it, and I wish her good Honestly, luck. Honestly, if that. she wins that, she wins that's, all the RPS. Yeah, no, I she mean, wins everything. Because if you look at the card, that's one of the... You would think on paper one of the easier fights to predict, right? Sure. I, I don't think Edgar has ever been this big a favorite. I don't. I mean, has he ever even been a favorite? He's always the underdog. Um, In the early days. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just joking. Okay. But recently, he's he's always the underdog, and he always seems to um, shock the world. But uh, yeah, he's a big favorite. I think four, five to one, something like that. Is he? Yeah. Um, and I see it playing out that way. I, I don't see um, Oliveira having much for him. 
Well, she is banging the drum. She thinks it's going to happen. She also thinks Anderson Silva is going to happen. So uh, if if Rick continues to delay in getting back on the horse, we may have to call my mama and, and, and ask her to get involved here because if she gets those two right, I mean, the Anderson one, everyone, a lot of people are picking Anderson. Everyone, because I've been talking about all day how all the fighters are picking Chris Weidman, but Charles Oliveira, that is a big one, my friend. Yeah. We have some questions to get to. Yes, we do. Now, let me just say before we get to the questions that uh, we've got an amazing addition to our table here from our good friends over at Round 5. We do. Um, We've got... Why don't you tell us what we got? Because you know about it more than I do. Well, the one that's closest to Ariel right now is the Tito Ortiz um, with the the, uh, USA flag in the back. Now, all three of the figures on the desk and the two more that are not on the desk right now are the Fan Expo exclusives for this year. Excuse me. Fan Expo exclusives for this year. Okay. Um, so you can only get these on July 5th and 6th at the UFC Fan Expo at uh, booth number 7101. Oh, wow. Those are the only place they'll be available. And they each of those on the desk, there's only 500, 500 of them made, and they're individually numbered. So um, these are rare, and we've got three of them right there. And so we have... We uh, have Tito yeah, we with have the Tito. American flag. There's yeah. also a Tito variant with the Mexican flag. Yes, this has the American, and this is from UFC 30, and it has an old UFC belt, like the old one with the, the guy coming out, whatever they call him, the strong man. Ultiman. The Ultiman. UFC 30, it has the old uh, logo back there, and it says UFC World Middleweight Champ. And then we have Cain Velasquez. Yep, that's the Cain Velasquez uh, Championship Edition from, I think it's, what is it, UFC 155? Yes, uh, when he fought. Uh, now, if I could just offer one critique here, I just wish they had the Mexican flag on his fist as he comes out with it, because he's wearing the walkout shirt. He's wearing the affliction shirt. It's all great. And if, was he, did he have a beard in that fight? I don't know if, he, I think he may have grew it afterwards. Nevertheless, it's very nice. And then we've got Andy. The pride version, Anderson Silva. You can see the blue gloves. Yes, this is the one when he fought Rio Chonan. Is that right? No, I wish. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> Imagine they had a Rio Chonan Anderson Silva one. Um, yeah. So, and there's also the other two that are not on the desk, are, as I said, are the Tito Ortiz, the uh, Mexican uh, flag one. And there's an Anderson Silva um, in a gi from his epic UFC 117 fight with Chael Sonnen. Oh, yeah. So be on the lookout for those at the Fan Expo in Vegas. I think it's at the Mandalay Bay. Yes, uh, it is. The 5th and 6th. Yep. Uh, booth number 7101. You I'll be walking around a little bit there, not doing too much. And the weigh-ins, if you're going to the Fan Expo, are on uh, Friday afternoon, of course, at Mandalay Bay. The fight is Saturday MGM, but then because the Expo is at Mandalay Bay, they do the weigh-ins, and it's always a big deal. The last one that they did last year with Anderson and Chael was a massive deal. I mean, there was like five, 6,000 people there. So it's a, it's a cool scene if you're going. It's one of the best fight weeks to go to. Uh, if you are a UFC fan, I also want to mention the uh, the little pick we got over there from my friend Cartoon Logos on Twitter. What does it say? It says, uh, the moment fighters realize they're in the UFC. My mug right over there. What an honor that is to have that. Wow. I didn't even realize that that was a microphone and a camera lens. You didn't realize that? That's what they're looking at. That's what they're looking at the that, moment they realize. That is an intimidating moment, much like when uh, Sensei threatened to terminate our interview now one more thing uh there's a lot going on in the world of uh, mma right now chris wyman has been making all the stops in new york 
He's been meeting with a lot of media, doing a bunch of stuff. Our own Mike Chiapetta just had lunch with him, a bunch of other New York media. Anderson Silva is actually in Los Angeles. He actually made it finally to the media day. And uh, he's in Los Angeles meeting with uh, other journalists. Our own Dave Doyle is there. And Dana White is actually meeting with journalists in Las Vegas. There are people meeting with everyone all over the place when it comes to MMA. And a couple of nuggets I'm seeing on Twitter via my friend uh, Brett Okamoto of ESPN. He said that uh, Dana is considering getting rid of the fight night bonuses to help the undercard fighters get a little more cheddar, which is interesting. Just a, a consideration. It's not official. Also, um, it appears as though they are believing that if Anderson wins, he will get some kind of super fight next. Jones, GSP, maybe a catchway with GSP. That's what I'm gathering here from these tweets. Also, he confirms that the plan, as I predicted, for the 20th anniversary show was Jones versus Silva in New York. Obviously, that is not happening. And uh, a funny quote here um, on, on what he would be doing if Bonner Griffin 1 never happened, I'd be picking up cigarette butts at the Powell Station parking lot. That's the Powell Station uh, casino over in Las Vegas owned by the Fertitas. So some good stuff that you can check out on MMAfighting.com. I'm sure all the other websites will have it as well. Um, coming from today's media days. All right, let's go One to the more questions. Thing oh yes, was yes. Uh, I think Nick Ring was announced as out of his fight with yes. Uriah Hall and Josh Salmon will be taking yeah. his place. Kind of a bummer. I, I like that Nick Ring fight, and yeah. good to hear. Speaking of that fight uh, or that fight card, that everyone is good. There was a chance that some of the international fighters, i.e., Conor McGregor would have to be removed from the car because of this whole social security issue in the state of Massachusetts. But yesterday, Dana White confirmed that uh, everything is okay and all the international fighters, including the main event, Shogun, Alistair Overeem, all those guys will be okay. All right, let's go to the questions. And again, the prize of the day, a subscription to UFC 360. Okay, our first question. This comes from James Glory. These are the website questions. Alvarez's pretrial misery. What are your thoughts regarding the judge recently setting a court date for September 2014 for legal proceeding to continue? This is nearly two years since his last fight. Is this likely to make other aggravated fighters think twice before, involving, before getting involved in legal cases of this kind? Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is it's tragic. It's tragic that a guy in his prime, Eddie Alvarez, fighting in Bellator, no Bellator, UFC, no UFC, that he can't make money, that he can't provide for his family, that he can advance his career. It is tragic that he may be on the sidelines for two years. Now, I believe, for whatever reason, maybe it's because I'm naive, I believe this will end before September of 2014. That is in a year and a half from now. I think the lesson to be learned here is that maybe Eddie Alvarez went into this situation thinking it would get resolved sooner rather than later, took the last fight on his contract, um, from my understanding, if he didn't take the fight, he wouldn't have put himself in this position. Of course, he wanted the fight, money, opportunity, etc. You have to look at all the possibilities, and maybe he did not expect it to last this long. I mean, last time we spoke to him, it seemed like he was getting frustrated and was hoping for the best, but was losing a little patience. I mean, I can't imagine what he will feel like come September of 2014. Plus, talking about having to sell things and properties and whatnot. It's unfortunate. The, the, the biggest takeaway is read those contracts and, and make sure you think five, six, seven, eight years down the line. Make sure you know what you're getting into. Make sure you do your due diligence. Make sure you read everything, all the points on the contract, and uh, be prepared to 
to have to deal with the contract once once it's up. So it's unfortunate. I have I I personally believe it will be resolved quicker for no reason other than my gut feeling, and uh, I'm sure everyone involved hopes that as well. I I would hope. Our next question comes from I am the great one. His question's about Cub Swanson versus Dennis Seaver. Do you think that Dennis Seaver is a step down in competition for Cub Swanson, given that his biggest win to date in the UFC is Nam Fan, and then Nam Fan lost to Leonard Garcia is his well, final statement? I don't think so, because he is 2-0 as a featherweight. He did battle some injuries. Remember, he was supposed to fight in uh, February, had to pull out of the fight due to an injury. This fight was actually going to happen on the fuel card in February in, in England, and then Dustin Poirier stepped in. Um, this is a guy who's 2-0. You know, I mean, he had a good win over Diego Nunes. It was uh, not his most convincing win, but very interested to see how Dennis Seaver progresses as a featherweight. And my understanding was, as I reported on the site, they wanted to do Cub Swanson versus Frankie Edgar. That was going to be the original main event of the tough finale show, but Swanson said he couldn't take the fight, so they ended up doing Uriah Faber versus Scott Jorgensen. So... In my opinion, Cub Swanson versus Frank Edgar is a sexier fight. And then Dennis Seaver versus Charles Oliveira makes more sense. But for whatever reason, and maybe we'll find out this weekend when we're in Las Vegas or this week when we're you know out there covering the show, why it didn't happen. Uh, Swanson versus Edgar, which was the original plan, did not happen. And kind of interesting, they're both fighting on the same card. So I don't think it's a step down per se. Uh, I think Swanson, if he wins, he's probably one win away. From fighting for the belt, it's tough that he lost to Jose Aldo in just eight seconds. Um, but I think that a win over someone like Dennis Seaver, who is a veteran, has had some big wins at 155 as well. Man, that's 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 not a waste of time. It's it's fine. A win over Frank Yeager would have been better and bigger. But as Dana White likes to say, is what it is. Now we're moving on to the Twitter questions. Our first one from Niall Bradley. If Silva wins on Saturday, what do you think should be next for him? A super fight, a move to 205, or another 185 bout? It's a very good question. You know, I, I really haven't thought too much, and I hate when they talk about these. I know, I know we ask it. I know we, we're, we're the ones who bring it up, and we kind of create this scenario. But I hate the fact that we're talking about super fights before this fight. I mean, let's not dismiss what's happening here. And, and, and that's how it, it always is in sports. You always want to know what's next. But I truly haven't really thought about it. I mean, for me, let's talk about, let's talk about middleweight first. If Vitor Belfort fights one more time, I kind of want to see that rematch at this point. He's been doing so well. He's been fighting so well. He has been knocking guys out in spectacular fashion. I kind of want to see the rematch. Um, other than that, I kind of want to see Jacare fight Anderson if he has another big win. I think a win over Okami could warrant that. Um, I'm not quite sure if Costa Filippo is ready, and I don't think he thinks he's ready. Uh, and there's always Michael Bisping out there. Uh, he's probably fighting in you know the, the, the fall time, maybe October or so, maybe on that Manchester card. And there's always that intrigue in seeing Michael Bisping fight Anderson Silva. So there are some interesting fights for Anderson at 185. Now, GSP is fighting Johnny Hendricks in November in Las Vegas. Roy McDonald versus Jake Ellenberger is happening in July. I want to see the winner of that fight fight GSP. I want to see if Damian Mike could get by uh, Josh Koscheck fight GSP. 
you know, there's some intriguing fights at welterweight. And then with John Jones, that's the interesting one. But for me, John Jones going up to heavyweight is probably more interesting at this time. Because if you look at the light heavyweight division, I mean, there are still some interesting things for John Jones at light heavyweight, most notably Glover Teixeira, if he beats Ryan Bader in September. I think if, and the timing works out perfectly, Glover's fighting, you know, just a couple of weeks before the Anderson versus Alexander Gustafson fight. So, um, excuse me, the John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson fight. So, there are some interesting scenarios for every one of those guys involved in those super fights in their own divisions. And what I'm getting at is I like to see champions defend their belts. The super fights are fun and I would be all over them. And uh, yeah, it's great. But I prefer to see contenders rise up, get a shot at the title. That's just me. If you'd ask me which super fight I'd rather see more, without a doubt, John Jones versus Anderson Silva. Do I think it's going to happen next? Uh, at this point, I don't know. I mean, Dana White just said today he thinks so, but... I'm going to say no before I say yes. Our next question from Florian GNP. Mm. Considering everything that's happened to him last year, do you think the layoff helped Weidman or decreased his chances? I worry. I mean, I, I think that if he would have fought and defeated Tim Boach in December, how could that hurt? Unless he got even more injured or injured himself, you know, wasn't injured going into the fight and got injured. How can that hurt? And that was in December. Um, how can not, how can being active hurt? Now everyone says, oh, he's had more time to heal up. And sure, let's not forget, he's had a lot going on in his life. You know, he's had his whole life turned upside down. You remember that video, which is somewhat timely now, Hurricane Sandy, end of October of last year, his whole house was ruined. We were up there. He was gracious enough to let us go film it was unimaginable what was going on. And then, what, a month and a half later, he was supposed to fight Tim Boach. He got injured. Maybe that was a blessing. But he's had a lot going on. His whole entire family was displaced, changed his life. Now things are back on track. You wonder, was all of that good? Did it help motivate him, get him focused, or a distraction? We'll find out on Saturday. And we'll never really know if they only fight once how it would have changed. I think in a perfect world, if we're being honest, probably if Weidman was 11-0, 12-0, it would be better for him. But you got to take the chance when you when you can. This this came up. Remember what happened here. He was supposed to fight Boach, gets injured. Bisping loses. Rockhold loses. Um, Boach loses. All these contenders lost along the way, and he was the last man standing. He was the guy calling Anderson Silva out, kind of, after the win over Munoz, Everyone loses in between, and then he's there not having to fight. It's an amazing story, and I, I, I wonder that as well. I think we'll only find out on Saturday or beyond. Ryan Manahan, if Weidman wins, do you think he'll get the credit, or will people bring, <clears throat> excuse me, blame Silva's age? I, I really think he'll get the credit, and uh, happy Canada Day to you, my friend. And, and someone on Twitter wrote to me, oh, no one's discrediting Anderson they're just very high on Chris, and maybe, but when you're the best, it, it, it's just it's shocking to hear people pick against Anderson. Not because, honestly, I think Chris, and I, I've been saying this for a long time, I, I don't want to backtrack from that, I think Chris Wyman has the best chance to beat Anderson Silva of anyone in the middleweight division, and anyone up until this point, truly. Of all the guys Anderson has fought as middleweight champion, he has the best chance going into it. That's why I love this fight so much. And, and I, I'm not saying that people are... It's just amazing to see these skilled fighters completely discredit... Not discredit, but just pick against him as with, with no kind of 
conflict, internal conflict. That's just an amazing thing. And I don't think if, if Chris wins, I, and at least I hope not, because I don't think that's the case if you look at what Anderson Silva has done. He has arguably been more dominant, more impressive today, now, in his last few fights than he has been over the course of his career in the UFC. You know, that stretch, when maybe he was uninterested, not motivated, whatever, now he's going out and he's doing amazing things. He's finishing guys. And it's, it's an amazing thing to watch. So you can't say, you know, usually there are signs in sports and usually the fighters or the athletes don't get better with age. Anderson seems to be the opposite. He is getting better with age. I can't see how they can blame it on age if Chris wins on Saturday. Our next question comes from Amanda. Is it a bad sign when you have to use GSP and Rashad Evans to endorse or validate Weidman in the pay-per-view commercial? I saw that, and I actually thought the same thing. Um, it, that, that first one I thought was a little strange. Did you see that commercial when you had Gray Maynard and GSP and Rashad? Did you see that? Yeah, I saw the commercial. I didn't like that one. I think the other ones have been better, the one with the, the, the Kanye West song. They've been better. I still think that they're missing the mark. I, I still feel like the promotion hasn't been as good as it, as it could be. You know what I'm saying? I feel like we should, we should see more about the Hurricane Sandy stuff and where he's been and where he's come from and living with his parents, who this guy is, All-American, rising up, getting this opportunity, 9-0. and 0. I mean, I, I want to see more of that. And I guess you can only I'm, say so much in 30 seconds. But, uh, like, with GSP, GSP is friends with them. I guess they don't tell you that. Gray Maynard has the same manager. Evans is part of that crew as well. I just I don't put that much stock into it. I'm kind of in the other camp in the sense that we've seen all those stories before the, you know, this is, this is the guy's family, this is that, and then they build it up. I'm kind of more interested in what the fighters have to say. And if, you know, a lot of fighters are saying that Chris Weidman is the most credible threat to Anderson Silva's title. And the more we hear of that, the more I even start to believe it, even yeah. though um, I'm not picking him, I, I, it definitely creates doubt in my mind. Um, when so many people go on the record and say that this, I've trained with this guy, he's you know more savage than anybody I've ever um, been in there with, and they just continue to build him up. I'm, it's kind of a new approach versus I've I've already like heard the sob stories. I've already heard um, the the overcoming this great difficulty. I this is more about this guy's a, a tremendous fighter, and other fighters are vouching for that, and I'm much more intrigued by that. So I'm kind of in the other camp actually. All right, fair enough. If that's the case, I would have liked to see, you know, like 10 fighters. Like, do it quickly. Weidman, 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 Weidman. But it just seems weird to have just like three random guys in a commercial that's that short and not even hear from Chris. Definitely agree with that part. Yeah. You want to hear from Chris, and you want it to be a bang, lot bang, bang, more bang, fighters. Bang, bang, bang. Quick shot, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, Chris Weidman isn't as well-known as other guys, so you need that. But I didn't think that was the best of the bunch as far as the commercials are concerned. But interesting. I mean, you don't see that often, so I don't think it's a bad sign. It, it, it just probably, to answer the question directly, I just think it's probably the UFC thinking people need to be sold on this guy before we give them the real meat and potatoes of all of this. Our next question comes from Sean Brady. Is Oliveira a big risk, small reward fight for Frankie Edgar? If Edgar loses, where would he stand in the 145 division and the UFC overall? Well, we should ask my mother that question because she thinks he is going to lose. Um, I don't think it's a big risk, small reward. I think this is the fight he needs. You know, Frankie Edgar has been fighting in main events since UFC 112. This is UFC 162. He fought BJ Penn twice, 
Had to fight Gray Maynard twice. Um, fought Benson Henderson twice. Fought Jose Aldo. All those main events. Actually, no. The first BJ Penn fight wasn't a main event. The rest of them were main events. All of the main events, except for the first BJ Penn fight in Abu Dhabi, a lot of pressure, a lot of attention, a lot of media attention. This time, he's flying under the radar. It's all about Anderson and Weidman. It doesn't matter really who he is. He just needs to get back on track. Remember, you know, he has lost his last three fights in a row, officially. Two to Benson, one to Jose Aldo. He just needs to get back on track. This is a fine fight for him. I also think Frankie's earned enough cachet that, like, there's no worry about him going anywhere um, if he loses. People know Oliveira is a rising prospect, and Frankie Edgar is a tremendous fighter. So I don't think it's that big a risk. I think Oliveira is a worthy opponent, and I think that um, Edgar knows what he needs to do. People will talk about it if he loses this fight four in a row, but remember, those two fights against Benson were very close. The Aldo fight, to a degree, was close. He's not the kind of guy that you're going to get rid of. Absolutely. Our next question from Anthony Marchetto. Now that Hendo has dropped two in a row, does it make sense to complete the Pride trilogy and have Hendo Vandy three? Honestly, that's a fight. I, I was saying that one or Lil Nog. Um, after the fight, when I was talking on, on Fuel, I think those fights, and he, he lost to Lil Nog in, in Pride back in the day as well. I love those fights. Although, for Vanderlei Silva, I really want to see him fight Chael Sonnen. And Vanderlei says that he'll be ready to fight in uh, December. So if Chael wins, and even if he loses, to be honest, against Shogun August 17th, he is a early favorite, according to the experts. I, I, I want to see that fight. I am tired of, of getting amped for Chael Sonnen fights and then not getting the payoff. We seem to, you know, Chael talking about Vitor and Vanderlei, and then he fights someone that he has no beef with. And this one was a little weird how it came about, but I want to see Chael full blast, old school, like how he was against Anderson the first time with some, some, some tension, some hatred, some beef. And I want to see him fight one of those guys. Vanderlei is the biggest of them all, and that's what I'm hoping for. Our next question comes from David. Which Canadian fighter is more likely to be UFC champion, if not both? TJ hmm. Grant or Rory McDonald? Wow, that is a tough one. That is a tough one. TJ Grant fighting Benson Henderson, UFC 164, August 31st, Milwaukee. Rory's fighting July 27th against Jake Ellenberger in Seattle, Fox 8. Uh, I'm going to say just because he has a chance first, TJ, and his style is a good one to fight someone like Benson. Rory still has some... Some hurdles to get through, of course, Jake being one, and then will he fight for the belt, 170. So I'm going to say TJ Grant. What do you think? Rory. Rory. Because I don't think TJ Grant beats Benson. I definitely think he's capable. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'd say that's a close fight on paper, uh, Grant and Benson. Um, I'm predicting that Benson will be a decent-sized favorite, but I, I think that Grant definitely poses a threat. But in the end, I see Benson um, winning that fight by decision. But I think if Rory ever fought anybody at 170 for the title, no matter who it is, I think he wins. I think he might be the best guy at 170 by next year. Wow. Um, so when he does fight for the title, I think he wins it. Rory versus GSP would be so awesome. I don't think he'd win it right now. But oh. by the time he gets that title fight, if it's you know one more fight or two more, I think he'll be one of the 
if not the best, one of the top two or three best. Um, so my pick is Rory. Uh, by the way, uh, Mama Helwani thinks Rory as well. So We're you, just like this, yeah. <laughs> in sync. You guys are agreeing a lot. Um, I think timing is is in play. I'm very high on Rory. Obviously, I'd love to see him fight for the belt. I think it would be fascinating. The build-up, can you imagine? I think that would sell at the Rogers Center again, him versus GSP. Just not sure about the timing. Our next question comes from UFC Face Swap. Oh, yes. <laughs> Being today is Canada Day. Yes. What has been your favorite Canadian MMA moment oh, God. of all time? Tough one. I, I, honestly, first, I would have to say... Okay, first, as far as chronological order, my personal favorites, the David Loazzo, Charles McCarthy fight, the flying knee, spinning back kick to the gut. That was incredible. That was old school crow. That was on the uh, the, the, the UFC intro, Bob O'Reilly thing for many, many years. I wonder if it's still... I wonder if it's still in there because I don't get to see it because I'm always in the back. But anyways, I love that moment. That, to me, Crow was my favorite back in the day. Loved it. Then I also think about GSP uh, defeating Matt Hughes at UFC 65. I was at Champs Sports Bar in Montreal. I was just a lowly fan at that point, and I wanted to see this fight. And I, uh, I went with some friends, and there was a massive line wrapping the bar downtown Montreal, St. Laurent Street. And I remember getting in there and watching the card. And when he won, when GSP beat um, Matt Hughes with a kick to the face and the TKO, ground and pound, all that stuff in Sacramento, UFC 65, the place erupted like the Canadians had just won the Stanley Cup. And that's when I realized, or at least one of the times that I realized, this is a big deal. This sport is a big deal. This sport is 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 going to keep going and gaining momentum and there are other people like me. That was the first time I watched a fight at a bar. And there are other people like me that care about this. It was just a very cool moment. It was a great moment for Montreal, for Canada. So I think about those moments. I think about UFC 58, although it didn't end the way uh, Canadians would have liked it to with Loazzo fighting Rich Franklin for the belt and losing. That was a fun USA versus Canada card. Um, GSP versus BJ Penn won. Uh, Carlos Noonan, you got to give him props. Um, yeah, but those are some of the moments that I think about when I think of Canadian MMA. Our next question is semi-related. Okay. From Jack Brown. Happy Canada Day. Oh, yeah. Question for today is the MMA hour. Oh. What was your favorite Canadian UFC event I thus far? I love this. I love this Canada-themed show. I'm going to hold my flag here for a second. By the way, before I answer this, uh, I have a little song that I uh, picked out for today's show. Do we have that song? It feels like a good time to play it. Oh, yeah. This is a great commercial, in case you people didn't know. Maybe I'll answer the, the, the question with this playing under it. How about that? A great Molson Canadian. Maybe I'll just let it play out. The where I go, I am I'm proud to be Canadian. You know, people don't understand. This is Canada Day. This is our Independence Day. This is July 4th for us. Coincidentally, it's July 1st, just three days before your Independence Day. It's a very big deal. Canadians are happy people. They're friendly people. They're approachable. They're down to earth. They're very likable is what I'm trying to say. And this day sort of encompasses all that. This song as well. Let's listen to it. Tell you a funny story. <laughs> I keep messing with the volume. Uh, when I was a student in Syracuse University, 
I was so homesick that I used to listen to this song while crossing the border to remind myself that I was leaving a, a, a great place, greener pastures, to go to the not so great place, at least in my mind, I was very homesick at the time, no offense to Syracuse, New York, but I didn't like it very much. And uh, I would always listen to the song to put me in a good mood. So there you have it. I am Canadian. I am proud to be Canadian. Are there any Canadians fighting on Saturday? Yeah. Are there any Canadians? Let me see. David Mitchell, Mike Pierce. Hmm. Doesn't look like it. No. No Canadians. America. What a disappointment that is. Anyway, uh, back to the questions. Happy Canada Day question. Yes, my favorite Canadian UFC event. Ooh, that is a tough one. Hard to beat UFC 129. Roger Center, 55,000. Stacked. Great card. Um, I'm a little biased towards... Actually, I'm a little biased towards UFC 97 because that was the first UFC event that I was credentialed for. That was Anderson Silva versus Tyler Ladies. But let's be honest, it kind of ended on a bit of a sour note with that fight being very strange. There was a Shogun versus Chuck Liddell fight on that card that was quite eventful. Of course, it was UFC 83 with GSP, Matt Serra. That was insane. But I didn't have tickets. I didn't even have credentials. I didn't have anything. I had to watch that at home. It was also the first night of Passover, if my memory serves me correct, so I couldn't go anyway. Um, I really like the ones in in, uh, Vancouver. I thought those were fun. UFC 115 in particular. Calgary was fun, even though it was a bad card. And I got to be honest, I was very high on going to Winnipeg. But without saying too much, I didn't leave with the best taste in my mouth. I I was not blown away by Winnipeg. I'll just say that. But anyway, there have been some great ones, and uh, I look forward to many more. And how about Patrick Cote dropping the nugget that uh, they're going to be filming the show in Quebec, Quebec City, Montreal. That's amazing. If they need a host of any kind, I know a few people. That's it for the questions. That's it for the questions. Okay. Oof. I can go back through them if you want. Sure. And actually, last time we did this, uh, you actually skipped the best one. It was brought to my attention. Yes. Someone Uh, told me this was the best question. I was like, you know what? You're right. That was the best question, and we didn't address it. So this one about your favorite Canadian UFC event? Yes. Favorite Canadian MMA moments? TJ Grant or Rory, who was first for the title. Hendo Vandy 3. Oliveira Edgar. The UFC commercial with Weidman. Mm-hmm. Silva getting old or Weidman winning. Weidman's layoff. Mm. What's next for Silva? I'm going to have to go with, uh, obviously, it's a very easy one because the theme today, the Canada Day theme, I'm going to have to go with the greatest moments in Canadian MMA history. UFC face swap. There he is. Is that even a real person? UFC face swap. Well, that's Ash Ketchum from, uh, oh, it's, (laughs) what? It's Ash and Pikachu with their, with their faces swapped. Is it? That's what that is. What is Ash? Or who the is The guy. He's the trainer guy from Pokemon. Come on. You didn't play Pokemon? No, 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 no. You see, people think that I'm like a geek kind of guy. They think I'm whoa, a wimp. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you saying? Pokemon is only for geeks? <laughs> no, I'm Get just saying. Get out of here, bro. The, 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 the fact that you thought, and you were so shocked that I am not into this, makes me think that you thought that I was a bit of a, you know. Were you into it? Yeah, man. I was. Really? I was in junior high when that stuff came out. That was all, that was all the rage. 
junior high being what, uh, seven to nine, six to nine? Yes, six to nine. That isn't that a little young for someone that age, or is that the the age? Not here in America. Really? For me, I always thought the people who are into that stuff were a little bit weird. I was into like pro wrestling. I was into basketball, bah, men things, you know, <laughs> not this stuff. Men things. <laughs> so, so this is uh, this picture here I, I is. Think I mean, I'm sure it's a real person, obviously. No, of course, but it's very strange. So that that's... It's the Pokemon and uh, the trainer guy with the faces switched. So strange. UFC... What compels someone to have a name like that? You let's know? see. Let's, let's, let's delve <laughs> a little deeper in here. Oh, some nice legs there. Uh, click ufcfaceswap.blogspot.ca. Hey, Canadian. Oh, I see. Look, 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 look. Oh, wow. Look he at swaps <laughs> UFC fighter faces. That is bizarre. His name is Apropos. So we got uh, Rafael Dos Anjos and uh, Kid Yamamoto there. Wow, that is freaky. How do you do that? Photoshop? Photoshop. Whoa. Whoa. Okay, I can't see the writing because of the lighting, so I'm going to guess. I see Spencer Fisher, one of them, right? Yeah. I have no idea who the other person is. Oh, wait. Ivan Menjivar. Yeah, you can t- look the, at the, the head. Focus more on the yeah. faces. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is great. Okay. Uh, whoa. <laughs> okay, Ben Saunders. Ben Saunders? No. No? Ben Rothwell. Oh, Ben Rothwell on the left. Uh, no. No? He's on the right. The face is on the right. No, but the actual the head. head is yes, on, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Who is that? <laughs> I don't know who that is. Sean Pearson. Oh, God. That's Oh, yes. I see his eyes. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay, do one more. Do one more. What the? Oh, oh wait. That's Mac Danzig. Wait, that just looks like Mac Danzig. Yeah, that just looks like Mac Danzig. <laughs> the other guy is Amir Sadala. Yeah, Mac Danzig, when you swap him onto Amir Sadala, apparently <laughs> just looks like Mac Danzig. <laughs> well, this is endless fun. So actually, fun. UFC face swap okay. is great. Um, okay, Mike Swick. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> is that bad, Sarah? No, Steven Seiler. Oh, wow, that's a tough one, but I see it. I see it. Okay, I'm going to get this one. You I'm want gonna, the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this one's easy. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, George Sotteropoulos. Yep. And Husimar Palhares. No, Brendan Schaub. Oh, you got to give me a second to, to, to rebound. But well, yes, you guessed it. Yeah, that you're you right. Guessed That's it. Brendan Schaub with that hairline. Yeah. What am I thinking? Yeah, the hair. You got to. Okay, one more, one more. Oh, oh wow. a woman. A wow. woman. Okay, one. Misha Tate. And. That's not, that's not Liz Carmouche, is it? No, Sheila Gaff. That's tough. Yeah. <laughs> one more, one more, one more. Okay, this is whoa. This is tough. Yeah, I I wouldn't have known this one for sure. Is one of those a Gracie? No. Jeez, I don't know any of those guys. John Hathaway. Gosh. And Rafael Asunsa. Jeez. All right, give me one more. I gotta get it right. Uh, that's Eve Edwards on the yep. right. Okay. Um, Ninja Roberts? Nope. Who's it? Keep going. I, I don't see anything there. It Wait. is Lorenz Larkin. Gosh, that's tough. Okay, one more. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I see. You know what's freaky about his eyes? Okay, okay, okay. Um, oh, my God. His name is... Oh, Gleison Tebow. Yeah. Right? 
this is going to kill me. You know it? Well, I'm looking at it. Can you give me a hint? Uh, fought recently. Oh, I see it. I see it. Just give it to me. Mac Desi. Oh, yes. There he is. Okay, one more, one more. <laughs> this is so bad. <laughs> All right, this one's so this, easy. Okay, okay. It doesn't even count. Oh, Faber and Carmouche. Yeah. Yay. That's a, there you uh, go. Let's end on a good right, note. Right. <laughs> um, stop UFC listening. face swap, incredible. Yeah, well done, my man. This is incredible. What, what, what a gem this is right here. Now, if you're listening to this, the audio version, I apologize. That probably wasn't the most compelling radio, or maybe it was. Who knows? Anyway, that's all we got, right? That's it. Congratulations on winning the, uh, the UFC 360 subscription, Mr. Facewap. Thank you to Round 5 for this, and uh, you can hit my music. There it is. I should have ended with the Canadian song. What an idiot I am. So we are finally here, my friends. UFC 162, we've come a long way. Remember, it was on this show that we introduced you to Chris Weidman back in the day. We had John Vellante as he prepared for the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix. And we said, hey, guy sitting in the corner, why don't you come on for a few minutes? That was Chris Weidman pre-UFC. That was Chris Weidman, a guy living in his basement, parents' basement, with his wife and his child, just trying to make it, had an offer from Bellator, turned it down a couple of days later. Coincidence? Personally, I don't think so, but he can say what he wants. A couple of days later, he gets a shot against Alessio Sakara on versus in Kentucky, and the rest, my friends, is history. Since then, undefeated, and on Saturday night, a little over two years later, he is fighting Anderson Silva for the belt. Will he pull it off? We will find out. Can't wait to see it. I want to thank Chris Liebman for stopping by. Good luck to him against Andrew Craig at UFC 162. Good luck to Ray Longo, of course, as he corners Chris Weidman against Anderson, the biggest fight of his life, without a doubt. Tim Kennedy, appreciate his time. Good luck against Haja Gracie. Mark Munoz, what an amazing turnaround for him, and thank you for being so honest and open with uh, everything that you have been through, my friend, and good luck against Tim Boach. Patrick Cote, good luck. Tough Nations against Kyle Noak. We'll be monitoring that, of course. And Sensei Steven Seagal, what an honor that was. Thank you very much for stopping by. Good luck against Chris Weidman. Thank you to everyone who called in, sent in questions. We appreciate it. If you missed anything, Stitcher, iTunes, all that good stuff. We'll see you next week. I'm out of here. Happy Canada Day.